It's cold out here <laughs> in BC. It's snowing in BC for the first time in three years. <laughs> so I so hope everyone's all huddled up because we're doing episode 56 of GBW. And I am Josh. And with me as always is Chris. Wow, that that was a little awkward. Well, I'm feeling awkward because it's so cold right now. Oh, <laughs> I know it's 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 unlike Vancouver. These it's like days. we're in fucking Blues Clues or something. <laughs> well, I do awkward well, as everyone knows. Yes, yes. But yeah, this today's episode we've cho- chosen another really small topic, and we're going <laughs> to talk about movies that have a lot of snow in them. Yeah, it <laughs> it, it kind of imploded more than. We so were buckle up. <laughs> this never happens. <laughs> Actually, ne- I don't think it's going to be as bad as it we sounds. We never over <laughs> get overly ambitious more than we should. And we never, you know, don't talk about what we're actually talking about in advance. Yeah, <laughs> no, this never happens. <laughs> and we're never at dinner going, oh, shit. Yeah, no. How are we going to narrow this down? Uh, yeah, we do our research, but we just don't plan out how we're going to talk about things <laughs> properly. <laughs> so hopefully everyone has fun. I think we've got some pretty cool titles on here, yeah, actually. some good movies. Yeah. So as always, let's talk about what we've watched. All right. So I've got more, so I'll start. All right. So the first on my list is... Let me guess. Let me guess. Sleepaway Camp 3. Oh, <laughs> look at you. <laughs> I win. Yep. The the franchise where I really don't have much to say every week. Um, <laughs> so this is Sleepaway Camp 3 Teenage Wasteland from 1989. Teenage Wasteland. Yes. Named after the Who song, Bob O'Reilly. Teenage Wasteland. Sorry. Y- you're not do. Roger Dalton. I know. I wish. <laughs> Um, directed again by Michael A. Simpson, who directed Sleepaway Camp 2, mm-hmm. and also directed Fast Food. I like Fast Food, Featuring man. Tracy Lords. Yeah, and much of the cast of this movie, and, actually. And Jim Varney. And Pamela Springsteen. Yeah, and uh, Tracy Griffin. Yeah, lots of peeps. Yeah, Lots yep. of fast food peeps. I like fast food. Or lots of Sleepaway Camp peeps, too. Well, at least I liked fast food when I saw it in the 80s. <laughs> Yeah, I've, I, I I don't remember it. I think I've seen it, but anyway. Okay, anyway. So, Sleepaway Camp 3. So, the the movie opens with some boobs. So I'm, Milk shake. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> In case you're wondering, she has milk tattooed over one and shake tattooed over the other. Yeah, and I did think it was kind of... And a, it does bring all the boys to the yard. Does you, it? You're damn right. It's what do you better mean? than yours. It's a song reference. <laughs> What song? Kellis, a terrible Kellis song. What's Kellis? That's the name of the singer. Who's Kellis? My milkshake brings all the boys to the yard. <laughs> what? Never mind. Is this a Canadian thing? No, it's like a top 40 hit from like 10 years ago. Why do you know this? Because it's in the movie Dodgeball. Why do you know that? Because I like the movie Dodgeball. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow, okay. Well, we're off to a great start. <laughs> <laughs> How else could we like go on tangents? We've now gone into the Who territory <laughs> and into Kellis. Hey, we, we prepared, remember? <laughs> Is Kellis a boy or a girl? It's a, it's a girl. Why do I care? You don't. I don't. All right, so we've got boobs. We've got the milkshake tattoo. We've got some more Enigma Records promo. In the I like f- to call them barely there boobs. Yeah, I thought it was. I, I didn't want to say anything, but I did think what an odd pair of boobs to have a milkshake tattoo on them. But I know. Anyway, there's, not there's nothing judging. to shake. Yeah, not judging. Anyway. Although if they were full of milk, they might be bigger. 
<laughs> I'm really, really. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm bringing it tonight. So <laughs> we have another great metal theme song. I did look into it this time. Do you know is who this the one? John Outland one? Sleep away. No, it's Anvil. Oh, Anvil. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Canadian rock. Watch Story of Anvil, the Story of Angle if, uh, Anvil if you want to see something kind of sad. Yeah, or you could watch the remake called I Am Thor. That's true. Um, <laughs> That's true. Okay, so this time around we were at Camp New Horizons where they're, they're trying and experience and sharing. Um, and this is at, in the same location as Sleepaway Camp 2. This, um, I guess the camp closed down. They're again. doing that old thing. Hey, man, there was a bunch of killings at this camp. Let's just rename it and reopen it. This has happened in many Friday the 13th movies. Yeah, and you can tell you're off to a bad start when you've got pervy Michael J. Pollard. Oh, as, <laughs> so fucking creepy. It's He's so creepy. Oh. So if you don't know Michael J. Pollard, he was in like Bonnie and Clyde yep. and bunch bunch of 70s exploitation movies. But uh, yeah, he's, he's a got real... a very distinct look. He looks kind of like he looks kind of Pillsbury Doughboy-ish. Yeah, he looks, yeah. Because he's kind of chubby in this face. Like, kind of like Artie. What's that guy? Artie. You know Ar- that guy. Artie? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> this Artie guy. Darren Bullerwell, tell us tell us who I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, go on our Facebook and tell us <laughs> as usual. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say Artie Rufkin, but that's the guy from, isn't that the guy from Spinal Tap? Paul Schaefer. Okay, Holy, now I'm going off. Move, move on. Holy, see what I mean? These fucking sleepaway camp movies, man. They're... Sleep away. Okay, so we've got these two, these two kind of faux hippies, one of whom is Michael J. Pollard, and they're like running the camp, but what they're trying to do is an experiment where they match up um, uh, someone who's a high-income kid with a low-income kid to see if they can get along. Yep. So you've got like, you know, a bunch of like uh, the Ricky- trust trust fund babies. yeah the richie preppy girl and, and then we've got some like tough tough guys including like the the black guy who listens to rap yeah yeah and uh the the hispanic guy who's in a gang so utterly shocking that a black person would listen to rap music and i gotta say like the shittiest rap music ever oh i know it's like it's, it's like michael a simpson just went like in between takes and recorded his own rap song, <laughs> and it's and a lot of the times it's not even rap. It's just like it's just like really bad eighties techno. Yeah, and there is no lyrics. It's just bad eighties techno. But he's like bopping around every time that that comes on. What's his name? Riff. Riff. Is Riff. His name. Yeah. Yeah. All they wrote is rapper shitty music. <laughs> you know. You know. If you wanna, if you wanna prove how bad these kids are, give them fucking ridiculous nicknames. That always works in movies. Now, I did learn, yeah. like the last one, remember the last one where all their names were based on 80s right. 80s actors, like Brat Packers? This time, they're all named after characters from West Side Story, the Munsters, and the Brady Bunch, according to IMDb. So but what's Riff? I'm assuming Riff is someone from West Side Story. Right. But like um, Michael J. Pollard is, is Herman, Um, And I actually didn't, (laughs) I couldn't. Lily is his wife's name in the movie, in in this movie. There you go, Herman and Lily. The wife who runs this program with him. I think her name's Lily. Okay. Couldn't really give too much of a shit. Like, when I think of Riff, I think of Riff Randall from Rock and Roll I think of Riff Randall, too. And I just, I wouldn't think a black guy listening to rap should be named Riff. Like, shouldn't it be a metal guy? 
Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. anyway, weird. Okay, so there's a couple of good, there's a nice good nude scene with Stacey Lambert with Michael J. Pollard. That's fucking creepy. Ew, yeah. Yeah, he's like, he's like at least 50 years her senior. Yeah, and he's creepy and gross. Like, and I don't know. Like, he, he spends the first part, I remember he has spends the first part right before he gets her naked in his tent, like showing her his belt buckle. And yeah. Like waving yeah. it in his face, like, ooh, ooh. I know. He's I'm just so sitting there going, gross. this is fucking wrong. And right why, now. why is she going for him? Like, what's wrong with her? Yeah, like, like you know, I know you're a bad girl and everything, but come on. Yeah. Go with Riff or something. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Come on. Um, there were a couple of good deaths. There was a lawnmower one that I thought was notable. Not really. Yeah, but a little bit. I thought the deaths in this movie were way weaker than part two. There was a garbage truck scene at the beginning that I thought was pretty good. Um, there was a scene where the killer actually raps, which I thought was pretty amusing. But um oh yeah 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 okay. But you know overall it's just kind of meh and I kind of feel like kind of like I did about the last Sleepaway Camp movie. Yeah. I like 2 way better than 3. I think 3 is just shitty. Yeah, I thought they were both I just... think I think 3 is um completely missing the tone of part 2 even even though they were shot back to back. Like I think 2 had a lot more tongue in cheek to it. Yeah. Whereas this one's just like dull. And I thought they were both dull. I I, I didn't like the tongue in cheek stuff. I, I in thought part the two. death scenes in three were also a lot poorer. And I know it gets blamed on the fact that a lot of it was censored. Yeah, but they have the censored shit on the on the DVD, and it's not that much gorier or better. Oh, is that on here? I don't know if it's on the Blu-ray, but it's on the DVD. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, it doesn't really say. Yeah, I don't know, but I, I deleted remember... gore footage. Yeah. yeah, it's not that great. It's not much better. Like. The flagpole scene is basically it just lingers on them hitting the ground a little bit longer than it does in the movie. Oh, okay. So it's like big deal, right? It's just kind of meh. I, I mean, I <laughs> unfortunately for me, I also ordered part four. So I yeah, guess I'll... I don't like three and I definitely don't like four. Yeah. So I think this sleepaway camp thing is kind of a bust for me. I, I really liked the first one. I know you don't agree. I like the first one. But I never said I don't like it. It's far and away my favorite of this series. Yeah, I like two better than one. Yeah, I, I can't agree on but that one. I'm but, yeah. also into more jokey slasher yeah. movies than you are, so yeah. that would be why. I thought one was just a, a really well-made I think one's a, movie. Is yeah. a entertaining as hell, but I yeah. prefer two. Yeah. I would I would probably watch one before I'd watch two, to be honest with you. Yeah, it seems like a lot of people are pretty particular about their favorites. It's kind of like, the, a, lot, like a lot of the slasher franchises. Well, yeah. <laughs> Slashers, it's always dependent on when you saw it and how the deaths work for you. Yeah. Because when you're watching a slasher movie, you're generally just watching it for the kill scenes. So certain movies, are, you like the kill scenes better, and, you know, it, it might vary person to person. Yeah. You know, like like in part two, the scene with the leeches. Oh, yeah. I think right. is amazing, right? But, you know, and there was nothing like that in part three. I just thought the kills in part three were just lame. And I also felt that... Um, Pamela Springsteen just wasn't giving it in this one as much as she did in part two. I just feel like she was yeah. bored playing Angela even in the third one. Yeah, I'd like to know what her story is because apparently she won't talk about the movies. So, Yeah, I don't know. But she just didn't seem to be in it as into it in the third one as she was in the second one. I don't, yeah, I yeah. don't feel like. But, yeah. Hey, they have a following. They do. So... I'll finish this up when I get the last they, one. But They've been re- re- released multiple times in multiple formats. So. Yeah, but I think I can safely get rid of that box set now. 
feel I'm feeling pretty comfortable about that. Yeah, because I own I own this on the on the, I got the new Scream Factory ones and also that box set. So you have the box set, and even I'm thinking about just buying the first one on Blu-ray and getting rid of it because two's I like two better than one, but one's the one I'm going to watch over yeah. two. One's the one I'll go back to. One's the one that's worth having in your collection. Yeah, two is not really, even though I I like it better. Yeah, I find it more entertaining. One is definitely the one that deserves the cult status more than the other ones. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's Sleepaway Camp 3, Teenage Wasteland. Teenage Wasteland. <laughs> okay. I'm going to quickly talk about a TV show. I know this doesn't happen that often, but let's talk about it. Just finished watching season two of Ash vs. Evil Dead mm. yesterday because it was the season finale. And, uh, if you haven't seen it yet, but... Uh, I haven't seen it, so don't spoil anything. I'm not going to, but I got to tell you, season two was quite a bit better than season one. Yeah, kind of like Daredevil. Yeah, I, I like season one of Ash vs. Evil Dead, but the problem was in the middle of the season, there was a few dog episodes in there. Yeah. Where the tone and stuff, it just didn't work. Whereas for for this second season, it's just like they were like, okay... We're just fucking going for it. We're going to be as ridiculous balls to the wall as we can get. We're going to have everything people like about Evil Dead movies, which is basically blood spraying in people's faces repeatedly numerous times through the season. We're going to have outrageous gore effects. We're going to kind of stay away from CG, surprisingly. There's not a hell of a lot of CG in the seasons. And we're going to have Bruce Campbell doing what Bruce Campbell does best as Ash because he's just like a... He's just a... His quips in this season were awesome. Yeah. And we're also going to have Ted Raimi in this a lot. Okay. Yeah. And we're also going to bring back a lot of things from the other movies, like Ellen Sandwies right. from the original Evil Dead is in this season. Characters from the other Evil Dead movies pop up in this season. Okay. And while I wasn't completely satisfied with the way the season ended, I'd say if you're a fan of the Evil Dead movies, especially the first two, Evil yeah. Dead 1 and 2, check out this series. It's fun. Yeah, well, as you know, I've got those kind of queued up, ready to rock. Yeah, so. like we we both purchased season one recently because we had yeah. a, got a good price, and you know, I, I'm interested to see what you think of it because, like I said, season one starts strong, yeah, falters in the middle, brings it back at the end, but season two is solid completely all the way through and there was just a lot of memorable stuff in season two and i had so much fun with it and nice. i'm looking forward to the third season well i'm gonna i'm gonna revisit the franchise first and then and then yeah I'll i'm, go into I, season I'm one. glad that i hate to say this because i'm i'm one of those people who's in the minority on the evil dead series mm-hmm. where army of darkness is my least favorite right i'm actually glad that they've kind of left the army of darkness references minimal Okay. So far. Yeah. Like, because I heard that in season one, they didn't have the rights to use it. Right. But in season two, they did. But even then, it was kind of minimal. And that's good because I know a lot of people love Army of Darkness and, yeah. and all that. But it's out of the three movies, it's my least favorite. So, right. you know, I, I prefer the cabin in the woods craziness that one and two offered up. And there's a lot of that in season two. Cool. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to checking it out for sure. And the thing with a lot of TV series, and I, I always try and tell people they this. They hit when, their stride second season. Yeah, when someone's trying to watch a series, don't ever, if you're if you're kind of into it, don't ever give up after season one. Like season two usually when most series pick up. And uh, even if season one's okay, um, season two's probably going to well, be way better. The thing is, too, is that a show has to get its footing. Yeah. 
before. Like they have to kind of figure out where they want to go with it. And I feel that's what happened with season one of this show is that they decided after the first season, they're like, okay, people seem to really be digging when we're going back to the original Evil Dead and when we're having that tone, but we're going like outrageously over the top at times. And people seem to like that a lot more. So we're going to go for that more. And yeah. it worked. Cool. So, yeah. Check yeah. out season two. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yep. Yeah, I will. All right. So next up for me, we've got... <laughs> <laughs> We've got some found footage action. He's already like giggling to himself over there. <laughs> well, in my quest to find the greatest Bigfoot movie ever, I've decided to watch another one. And you know, none of them just, they just never seem to happen. So this one's called Bigfoot, The Lost Coast Tapes. Okay. Um, from 2012, directed by Corey Grant. I've not heard of this movie. So this is, um, this is based on a, um, they're they're like a reality show called Hoaxbusters, and they're they're this the guy who's leading the leading it is um, out to try and um, yeah like like he's not a believer in Bigfoot so he's so okay I'll just tell you right now like this movie <laughs> I didn't I didn't mind it I didn't mind it I didn't I didn't hate it or anything um, like I thought it was competently made and everything but the whole thing is like often in this movie I'm like. Why? Like, why? So, like, for example, like, so this guy who's, like, um, kind of heading up this project, this Hoaxbusters project, takes his life savings, I think $10,000, so he's a young guy, right? Takes his life savings and then recruits some friends and they go out into the woods to meet up with this old guy who kind of reminded me, if you've seen Troll Hunter, he kind of reminded me of the guy in Troll Hunter, like that kind of older, grizzled, kind of mountain man type dude. Goes to, They go to meet him because he apparently has a body of Bigfoot. And they he this guy that's running Hoaxbusters gives us the old the mountain man guy $10,000, all his life savings, so he can prove that Bigfoot doesn't exist. Doesn't does not exist. Okay. So he's doing all of this so that he can. He's paying this guy so he'll take him to find this body of a Bigfoot so that they can disprove that it's real. But why do you have to pay to disprove Bigfoot right. when most people don't believe in Bigfoot to begin with? Right. Doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> so like this whole movie is filled with shit like this where you're just like. You know, and I like I know young people are stupid and everything, but like a lot of the time. <laughs> sorry, young people, listeners. <laughs> yeah, sorry, uh, sorry, millennials. Um, but a lot of the times, I'm just like, like another example. Like they're like, they they get this. They 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 ask. There's a girl with them, and they're like, yeah, she's she's injured, and they're like, don't leave the house. We're going off to do this thing. We're going off to find out if the body's real or not because we are trying to disprove it. Don't leave the house. But if you need to leave the house, there's a gun in a cabin down a ways from the house. So it's like, okay, A, <laughs> why the fuck don't you just go get the fucking gun and give it to her? Right? Or well, to the car or something. It's like, like, okay, so if you need to leave the house, but you need a weapon, you got to run the gauntlet to get this fucking weapon. Totally. Okay. <laughs> so then, so uh, they leave. And then, of course... Shit starts happening. So what does she do? Leaves the house. Uh, yeah. Wow. Hobble, hobbles out of the house. 
And what does she do? No, no. She doesn't go to get the gun. Okay. She goes to like check out some footage in the car. But instead of bringing it back to the house, she goes to like a cabin. It's like, it's just, I can't even explain this. I'm not explaining this properly. Okay, okay. Whoa, 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 whoa. So she can barely walk. Right. The car's parked right outside of the house. Not right out, a little ways. Well, not that far away. So she goes and gets this footage. And she hobbles her way to another fucking cabin. To another cabin. Sits down. And this is when there's like, she's heard noises. So like shit's happening around. Sits down, watches the footage in the cabin with no doors. You know, like, so it's just filled with stuff like this. Another thing about her is she's like a, um, what do they call her? Like a sensitive. So like a hippie chick, you know, that I'm at one with the forest girl. You know, and again, like sitting out there in the dark, like communing with nature, like fucking Bigfoot's around. You're you're surrounded by an electrical fence and it's going off. Like, why are you outside? <laughs> so it's just a lot of stuff like that. Anyway, <laughs> complaining aside, um, I thought, you know, I thought the lead guy was really good. He's played by an actor named Drew Roche. Kind of looks like that Sean Haddosey guy. You know that he's an actor. He was in Southland. Southland, and uh, I think he was an alpha dog. He's a pretty good, like, youngish actor. Um, Frank Ashmore played Carl Dryback, who's the mountain man guy. I, I knew I kind of recognized him, and he was uh, Martin from V. Remember oh, the, okay. the the alien, like, the, the visitor guy who was kind of a traitor, and he was, like, helping the humans? Was he, like, the... Is he blonde? That guy? No, he had uh, dark hair, but he was. Okay, I haven't seen V. He in was a helping. Long... Helping. I, I haven't seen V in a long time. Yeah, it was, he. Yeah, I, I've seen V pretty recently. But yeah, I mean, like all I wrote down is lots did not make sense. Proving the hoax, motivations, the fucking ending. Oh my god, don't even get me started <laughs> on the ending. Um, we don't see the creature. Shocking. Um, so you know, a lot of a lot of qualms with this movie. The ending was very, 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 very frustrating. But thankfully, coming soon is something like Return to the Beyond the Last Coast tapes. So hopefully we'll find out what happened because I have no fucking idea. Um, but it was it was entertaining enough. I mean, I would definitely I think I'd probably put this, I, you know, I, I didn't really like Willow Creek that much. Um, but it, this is not like near like exists. Like I, I thought exists was really good. Um, but it, it's, it was OK. But it was just the characters just the writing was just not very solid i was just questioning why they were doing things quite regularly i think what i need you to do is to see legend of boggy creek i don't know if i'm gonna like it but i think you should because i know i should that's the movie that kicked off all this bullshit i just wish someone and i said this to my friend when we were watching this because we've been watching all the bigfoot movies together and i just said to him like why can't someone just make a non-found footage Bigfoot movie? Like maybe well, that's what they need to well, do. Well, the reason for that is because the only way Bigfoot is kind of exists in regular society is all this grainy footage that's been shot, right? I think that's what it is. It's like playing off of that legend of Bigfoot where it's like, oh, I've got this grainy camera footage of Bigfoot walking through the forest. And I think the right. movies are just playing off of that, probably. Well, there was that one with Tiffany Shepis that was okay. I think it was... It was called Abominable or something. I can't or remember. Was that what the one it was. with like, uh, isn't Lance Henriksen in that too or something? Maybe it's not Abominable, but there was one I I, that I thought was okay. But um, I just wish someone would make like a kind of bigger budget Bigfoot movie with without making it final footage. I like I think just a regular scary. 
Dwayne the Rock Johnson is no. Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> One day we'll get a big, good Bigfoot movie. But anyway, that's uh, the Lost Coast tapes. So um, if you need a good Bigfoot movie, don't call on Stephen Summers. That's no, all I'm going to say. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's too, it's too bad. I was kind of I was kind of into this for for quite a bit of the running time, but there were really annoying characters and just a lot of stupidity. So yeah. awesome. Mm, yeah, yeah. Selling it, I know. Yeah, I'm totally there. Just watch exists if you're going to watch a big movie. That's all <laughs> I have to say about that. So, <laughs> <laughs> I have this. We, we, Josh, and I have this problem, and this problem is we have too many goddamn movies <laughs> sitting off to the side that we haven't watched that we've bought for cheap. My other problem is that I tend to record things on my PVR. <laughs> Because I'm like, ooh. Yes, this is so, why I don't have cable. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to work my way through my PVR a little bit. I'm I, I, pretty good right now. I only got like 10 movies on it. But I watched one off of there that I recorded off TCM a couple weeks ago called uh, Killer Party. Oh, yeah. From 1986. And this is a Canadian slasher Everyone's movie. Everyone's watching this movie these days. What's going on? It was on TCM. Okay. So it's a Canadian slasher movie. Um, it's directed by William Fruitt. <laughs> Who made Blue Monkey and Death Weekend? Okay, he made some pretty decent, yeah, low yeah. budget Canadian movies. It was written by Barney Cohen, who wrote, I believe it was the final chapter, Friday the Thirteenth, the final chapter. He wrote one of the sequels. Um, so this movie opens so fucking awesome, dude. I gotta tell you, like, so awesome. This is a movie that, like, you can tell it's an '80s movie right off the bat. So it's this opening with the, like this this funeral and. At the funeral, they like, you know, the someone goes and like spits on the corpse or something like that. And then it zooms out and it's this couple, these teenagers making out at a drive-in. So you're like, okay, they're watching this movie. It's They're at the drive-in. Oh, uh, okay. But then the girl goes to the, to the uh, snack bar to get stuff and there's nobody in the snack bar. So he's like, oh, what's going on here? All of a sudden... What happens? Zombies come, and then a hair metal band comes and plays a fucking tune in the middle of the snack bar because it's a music video for a hair metal band with zombies attacking teenagers at a drive-in. So fucking good. So they're filming a music video? It's the actual music video because there's the little thing at the bottom corner saying who the band is in the song what? and everything. And then it zooms out to our main character watching it on TV. So it's like a fake oh, opening. Oh, that's cool. It's like a fake opening, but it's so fucking cool. Cause that's it's like awesome. Yeah. Really cheesy, like hair metal band while these zombies attack these teenage Casmers. I'm like, this is awesome right that away. That is awesome. Yeah. But from there, it kind of settles down. The band's called White Sister, by the way. <laughs> what a great name. <laughs> White Sister. White Sister. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it, it kind of s- zooms on to these three girls called Phoebe, Jennifer, and Lydia. And um, they're in college, and they're about to pledge the sorority Sigma Alpha Pi. Because Pi has to be in the name of a sorority. Because, you know, hair Pi, hair Pi. <laughs> no, that's not why. <laughs> no, I know why. I'm just kidding. It's because it's Greek, man. I know. So it's like, it's Greek. you know. <laughs> so from there, the movie is basically not a slasher movie. This is like a fucking sex comedy, dude. Mm. So it's like it's like sorority girls and frat boys getting into their usual antics. You know, it's the frat boys <laughs> going and seeing all the frat, all the sorority girls in the hot tub and then like letting loose bees to try and sting them so they'll get out of the hot tub and lose their bikinis and shit like oh, that. Oh, perfect. Like this is not a slasher movie 
at all for wow. like a good 45 minutes of the movie. It's just like, it's like you stumbled into a, like a sex comedy. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm in with this. I like sex comedies, you know? I'm, and I think that's why a lot of people are kind of down on killer party because you know, there's no slasher stuff really. Right. But, um, you know, there's all these pranks and, you know, it gets to the main crux of the movie, which is for pledge night, they're going to have a party in this abandoned house. Is there a panty raid? No panty raid, unfortunately. Oh. You don't need a... You watch Revenge of the Nerds, that's the only panty raid you need, <laughs> really. Let's be honest here. And Sleepaway Camp, too. Oh, yeah, but the one in, <laughs> the one in Revenge of the Nerds is the pentultimate yeah. panty raid. But, um, so, basically, they're having this party, this pledge night party in this abandoned house where a bunch of killings took place, and, of course, you know, killings start. So it's cool because there's like these fake scares there going on, you know, and but at the same time, it's kind of like Terror Train. You remember in Terror Train how the killer kind of wore different disguises? Yeah. Because this party at this abandoned house is a costume party. Ah. He kind of wears different things. Like he wears like a a miner's helmet, like a diving helmet at one point and to to kill people and stuff. And, you know, it's it's fun. I, I I think it's a lot of fun. It, it's like, just when you think, though, that it's gone from sex comedy to slasher movie, the last 20 minutes becomes a possession movie. What? This movie's all over the fucking place, and that's why I like it. Nice. Yeah. Because it's just so weird and bizarre. And, you know, I know a lot of people are kind of down on it, but I'm like, how can you be down on something that's so goddamn outrageous? Yeah, I'd check this out like, for sure. Yeah. It was fun, right? Plus, it's got Paul Bartell in it. <laughs> from Eating Raul and yeah. uh, Direct, Directed and Death Race Director 2000, of Death yeah. Race 2000 Playing like this minor role As this serious professor Who gets upset That all the frat boys Are doing all this stuff To the girls and everything Oh wow Like it's it's just a fun movie It's like it's pretty slim On the slasher elements You know there's all that Typical stuff of the main character Jennifer hearing her name Whispered in the house All the time Right During the party Like Jennifer Oh that's and, Yeah you know, that's that kind so of 80s stuff. Yeah But then man I gotta tell you that finale, I'm just like, okay, so the first part of the movie, they're channeling Porky's. The middle of the movie, they're channeling Friday the 13th. The end of the movie, they're channeling Evil Dead. Oh, wow. How can you go wrong? Yeah, no, it sounds great. It's a, it's an entertaining movie. If you can check it out, it's um like it was on TCM, but it's also available on uh, Warner On Demand. You know the Warner uh, thing, Warner Archive yeah, Collection? Yeah. It's available on DVD through them. And I think if you're into slasher movies, but you like them a little bit like me sometimes on the more goofy side. Yeah. And you want to see one that just goes in weird directions that you don't really expect. Killer Party will totally fit that bill. Yeah, I'd check this one out for sure. It was fun. I I recommend Killer Party for sure. Right on. All right. All right. Next up for me is... um, All right. So I'm a big fan of director Alex de la Iglesia. Uh He's a Spanish director. Um, I've only seen two of his movies. I, I know I kind of got behind in his filmography, but I really dug uh, Action Mutante and um, Day of the Beast. Um, this was back in the 90s. And he's he's been making movies ever since, but I haven't really uh, paid much attention to his career. But um, I, I, I'm definitely going to start again because he's a really interesting director. Kind of brings to mind like, um, you know, kind of like that early Peter Jackson kind of fun um, and that whole era, like just when they're, they're making these kind of crazy movies and, uh, and that they were just kind of like, yeah, just I crazy is kind of all yeah, I can like, think uh, of. Yeah. Uh, 
bad taste. Yeah, just really body melt. Yeah, just these fun like evil Ed. Yeah, you just they were just kind of really almost like comic books. They were yeah. just so all over the place and yeah. but not but but uh, linear at the same time, but just yeah. a lot of like really crazy shit was going on and really original stuff. Anyway, I decided to watch one of his latest films um, called Witching and Bitching. Oh, yeah. I, I'm interested in this yeah. one. And I got to say, like, I mean, the title totally turned me off. Like, that's why I kind of avoided it for a while. Um, but I saw it was going to be off, net, off coming off Netflix. Ah, so I, I thought <laughs> I'd better get on it. Um, so the movie opens with a robbery. Um, it's a bunch of thieves robbing a um, jewelry store in this square. And... Um, this was a really great heist scene because all of the um, thieves were dressed up in as mascots. So the um, the leader was dressed up as Jesus, and he was like carrying around a cross, and he was like one of those um, you know those people that like are statues and like in like a place where like it's like where the, you give them money and then they'll move. Yeah, a he's like he's spray painted gold, right? Yeah, so he's like a Jesus, one of those. Um, we had a guy. Um, a, a dress like an army an army figure we had spongebob square pants nice. we had mini mouse so but they're all like toting guns and then there's a, a child involved as well um so this robbery happens and yes you do see spongebob square pants pull out a big uh, machine gun and then get blown to bits um and but a few of them do get away and they um they're on the lamb um driving through the countryside and eventually they um, end up in this town that happens to be a town kind of like an American werewolf in London. They go into like a, a bar, you know, kind of like the slaughtered lamb. Um, but then it turns out that it's not a werewolf around there. It's that this town is like kind of like uh, populated by a coven of witches. Yeah. Um, and yeah, man, this is awesome. Like this guy, this director has not lost any of his like abilities and uh and um, totally original, totally fun, um, totally entertaining. Um, I totally dug the whole movie. Um, great cast. Um, a lot of them have, that have been in um, another one of his movies called My Big Night. Um, um, his um, his partner is an uh, actress named Carolina Bang. And she is amazing in this. She is like a really sexy witch and... Um, but she's like wearing like skin tight clothes throughout and she's got like half her head shaved and she's kind of like a punk rock witch. Um, there's um, some CG in this, but it's, it's really well done. The witches like can fly around and uh, a big giant one comes out at, at the end in the, in the finale. And um, yeah, it's just a really, really great movie. A lot of really good action, a lot of really great sets. The, the, uh, whole end sequence takes place in this giant cave and i'd love to see where it was but it was like i'm hoping that a lot of i, I it must it must have been like actually a, maybe a tourist attraction or something because it's literally this humongous cave with like stairs going down into it and everything it's super impressive i i, I can't even i'm not doing it justice but like um yeah it's, it's just a real fun movie so uh if you're not familiar with this director's work i'd uh, really recommend checking checking him out i don't i don't think you've seen any of his stuff no um this is a great one to start with for sure um but yeah it was it was super fun and i'm so glad i, I watched I've it i don't know my to watch list for a while yeah but when's it coming down uh might be down now oh crap yeah yeah 
It might be up for a couple more days. No, I think it might be down now. I'll have to double check. It's like the 15th or the 13th. I'll have to double check. Yeah. Anyway, I, I still I still think it's well worth seeking out if you can find this one, um, despite the title. But it's, it was uh, it was a really really great flick. So I am going to check out some of uh, out of uh, De La Iglesia's uh, other stuff. Um, there's one called The Last Circus, I think, that's pretty recent. That sounds kind of like uh, sort of like Santa Sangre or something. And um, Day of the Beast is kind of a classic. So. Um, but I mean, yeah. If you're, if you're interested in this director's work, um, I'd say Day of the Beast and this one for sure are, are good starting points. This one probably more than the other one. This is this one's pretty accessible, but a lot of fun if you're into action and witches. And there's not a lot of good witch movies, and this is a really good one. Not really, I, it's pretty sad when people say The Craft is their favorite witch movie. Yeah, I mean, the I think the best witch movie I can think of in recent memory is The Witch from this year. Yeah, and I haven't seen that one. So like, that's the one that most accurately works for me as that kind of a movie, like a, a cult kind of coveny kind of movie. I think The Witch is the most effective one I've seen. I mean, I like the craft for what it is, but you're right. There isn't a lot of witch movies that seem to work. I mean, I guess in a way, Suspiria, right? Yeah, Suspiria, but this this felt this one really felt like these. Like Suspiria, yeah, I know they're witches and everything, but I mean, it just, this really felt like witches. (laughs) Like, this felt like a witch movie, right? Like, and a lot of them, a lot of them don't. Like, I guess The Witches with Angelica Houston, like, that that felt like a witch movie. That's more like a kid's movie, right? Like, it's Roald Dahl, and, you know, it's more silly family than it is, like, menacing witches, I guess. Yeah, and this one, it's not, it, I wasn't, like, scared. Like, it didn't feel like a horror movie, but it just felt like that that really fun, inventive, entertaining genre movie that uh, I kind of miss movies like this, and I'm really glad he's still doing it and still obviously has the chops because uh, he obviously had a lot of fun making this. So I'm really looking forward to checking out some of his filmography that I've been kind of missing out on, and I'm actually kind of glad I have been because now I've got all this all these cool movies to discover. So, um, yeah, check it out, Witching and Bitching. Okay. Yeah. My next one's a, uh, a call back to my youth. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> when I was a kid in the early 80s, um, I was unfortunately saddled with a, uh, a, a father who enjoyed to drink a bit too much. Yes. And uh, he would take me for happy hour at the pub in the mall <laughs> and usually plunk me down on a tabletop Pac-Man game. But every once in a while he would have the uh he would have the uh you know bright idea to take me to a movie. Okay. So it's this way that I saw, you know, like um Strange Brew in the theaters back then. <laughs> fitting. You know, yeah, I guess fitting, yeah. I saw like Mickey's Christmas Carol in the theaters. Right. I saw Mickey, six... there's a Mickey, right? Yeah, yeah, I saw Six Pack. I see a theme going on here. I was shit, I never thought about this till now. I saw Six Pack with Kenny Rogers and Diane Lane, you know, the stock car racer with the orphan kids. Right. You know, and and he took me to see the movie I'm going to talk about now, which is a uh, High Road to China. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I saw, yeah, no, no, uh, no alcohol references in this one. But uh, I have High Road to China is a movie starring Tom Selleck, and um, it was made. Bess Armstrong. Bess Armstrong. It yeah. was made right after in, he 
was didn't get the Indiana Jones part, basically. Right. So this was him making his own kind of a... He turned down the Indiana Jones part. Yeah, yeah. well, whatever it is. Yeah. But this is him doing kind of an adventure movie in the vein of Indiana Jones. Yeah. And when I was a kid, I was like, I loved it, right? Because, yeah. you know, you're seven years old or whatever. I think I was... No, I would have been eight. So you're eight years old and you're at this movie and there's like, you know, it, you know, there's planes flying through the air and, yeah. you know, stuff exploding. And, you know, you're a kid. You're like, this is awesome. So I decided I would import the Blu-ray yeah. of this movie because um, the North American release is just out of print and too expensive. And I managed to get a UK release for like under $20. Yeah. So I says, okay. I'm going to watch High Road to China. I'm ready. I haven't seen this movie in like 30 plus years. I'm ready. Got to tell you, a little bit middling. A little bit what? Middling. Like shitty? Not shitty. Just kind of like one of those movies where you're just watching it and you're just kind of like, eh. Just kind of shrugging. I remember that when I was a kid being like, meh. Yeah, you're just kind of like, eh, you know. Like Tom Selleck is actually pretty good in this movie because he's like the American hotshot biplane fly uh, flying guy who's like always getting going out and partying and having a hangover in the morning and you know kind of cool and cocky and he gets hired by Bess Bess Armstrong's character to like go into like I think it's um well China maybe China (laughs) but he's got she's got us he's got to save you know her dad Right. Okay. So she has to show her how to fly a plane so that they can both fly in and save the dad. And at the same time, they have their riffing on each other. You know, that hard love thing, you know, where at first they're kind of like sarcastic with each other. And then they end up kind of falling in love through the course of the movie, you know, kind of like that. And he's got the rescue mission. It's got them going to all these fancy locales. Like they end up in uh, somewhere around like in the Middle East where they meet a czar guy who's like doesn't like women too much so like tom Selleck has to like kind of hit her to like prove that he's the man of the relationship oh, so that the czar will like him, very you know? politically a little bit of misogyny going on <laughs> there and stuff but you know there's stuff i like about the movie like it's a good looking movie the production design's good you know some of the action sequences are pretty good like there's a cool scene where he's like been kidnapped by this guy to like like not so kidnapped but as being forced to fly over this encampment and drop bombs. Yeah. But their guy's like, well, Tom Selleck's is like, well, how do you know I'm going to do this? You know, how are you going to ensure that? He's like, oh, my cousin's going to be in the plane with you and he's going to be pointing a gun at your back the entire time. Right. So Tom Selleck's like, okay, fine, I'll do it. Gets him up in the air and he does that whole thing where he's like, discreetly does up his seatbelt then flips plane upside down so that the guy so that the guy who's supposed to be watching him falls out oh. and happens to have explosives on him and blows up part of the camp below. Tom so, you know, the trickster. What, I know, what a scam. <laughs> but it's like, you know, there's good stuff in there. Bess Armstrong's pretty good in this, admittedly. She gets a little bit grating at times because she's like high society kind of. Yeah, yeah. You know, but I just wasn't that... I remember my thing with this movie. Is I wasn't I, that into it. I, I, yeah. I, I tried my best. I was so into the Indiana Jones movies yeah. at the time um, that I was expecting that. And I remember this one kind of being like same issue I had with Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Like there wasn't any like going into tombs and going in, into cool like jungles and shit. Like I just felt like it was all like about them. Yeah. Like in airplanes shooting things. And well, I think also... This one was also, I think when I was a kid, it was because of like, you know, Indiana Jones because Tom But Sel- it wasn't like Indiana but, Jones. But you know what I mean? Like his character 
yeah is is outfitted to kind of look like Indiana yeah. Jones because yeah. he's got like the brown aviator leather jacket and stuff yeah. like that, and he's like kind of that cool guy. So I think like it was a riff on Indiana Jones, and I think that's why when I was eight, I was like, "Oh, this movie's pretty cool," you know. Yeah. And now I'm watching it, and I'm just like, eh, "It's middle of the road. I don't really care one way or yeah. the other about yeah. it." And it's unfortunate because I I honestly think that Tom Selleck does a pretty admirable job as a, as this kind of a hero, and you know I think he does okay. And it's just the movie he's surrounded with just wasn't that great. Yeah. Just so. kind of mediocre. So, you know, it's it's one of those things. We've talked about this in the past. It's one of those nostalgia kind of painting a movie better than it is. And, I mean, this is a movie I hadn't seen in over 30 years. So, you know, it is what it is. It happens. Yeah. So, High Roads China. <laughs> You're right. I sold it to you. No. <laughs> okay, so we've got... Two good ones so far. Killer Killer Party and uh Witching and Bitching. Yeah, and I've got one more left, which is also Alright, I got an, I got a good one. Is also a good one, so Alright, so I watched Possession. Yeah. So Possession is kind of a notorious movie from nineteen eighty one, directed by uh Andre 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 Zulowski, uh a Pol- Polish director. And this movie, um, I've kind of known about it for a long time, but I've never really gotten around to watching it. I have managed through all these years not to really know what it's about, and I'm really glad I don't. I didn't going into this. Um, I also was able to see this on the big screen um, and 35 millimeter screening recently, which I'm very, I feel very fortunate being able to see it there. Also feel very fortunate to be able to see it for the first time there. Um, this movie's had a bit of a checkered release in um, North America. Um, so there's, um, I know there was a really, really he- heavily edited version out there for a long time that was missing um, at least 30 minutes of the film. Um, so you're looking for a running time around two hours is, is the correct version. Um, I know it's out on Blu-ray now um, in in a variety of, um, in a variety of, uh, Editions and I believe they're all uncut now. So make sure you're getting the right one. But what a fucking awesome movie! Um, I know on another podcast um, um, that I listen to, um, I Chris does too, um, called Shockwaves, and it used to be known as Killer POV. Um, one of the hosts there has been going on and on about this movie forever, like to a like annoying degree. But I gotta say, you might be now hearing me going on and on about this movie because it was unlike anything I've ever seen. And, um, yeah, I, I don't want to give too much away. Um, so it basically stars Sam Neill, um, who we know from Jurassic Park and in the mouth of madness and all kinds of Dead things. Calm. Yeah. And, uh, Isabella Johnny, um, who, um, maybe not a name that you comes to mind right away, but a French actress. She was in, um, uh, Herzog's, uh, Nosferatu and, uh, um, uh, Luc Besson's uh, Subway and Polanski's The Tenant and Diabolique. Um, and she is just unbelievable in this movie. Um, so the, the movie's pretty much about a married couple that um, are getting divorced and um, because she's cheating on him with uh, another man. Um, kind of all I'm going to really say about that. Um, there is some Lovecraftian... Um, things going on and um a johnny's character well actually both of them are pretty insane in this movie like they really go 
into some serious mental depths, but she's seriously fucking unhinged. And like this whole movie, um, it's just watching her on the screen is like, I, I seriously can't remember a performance like this as far as someone being this committed to crazy. Like, this blows away every other crazy girl I've ever seen on, in cinema, I think. Like, I've never seen anything like this. There's one scene in particular in a subway tunnel that just, I don't even know how an actress could get into the zone to, to pull it off. Like, and and this movie is like layered upon layered upon layered. Um, I, I went with one of our listeners and friend of mine named Darren. And um, immediately afterwards, I like the first thing I think out of my mouth was, I want to watch this again, like right now. Um, and I, I want to watch this many times. Um, I just think there's a lot going on here. Um, and not even just with the story and trying to unravel what happened um but just cinematically um the um the shots the performances like everything about it so i'm yeah i'm i like elric from uh that other podcast i'm completely in love with this movie and can't wait to to watch it again and i'm i'm uh, trying to learn as much as i can about it now and um it's completely unique and um yeah i mean if you want to completely uh, original cinematic experience that you've um, never had before, check this one out. Absolutely. Just make sure you're in the right zone. Try not to learn much about it. Definitely don't like watch this one in pieces. Like don't watch half an hour tonight and half an hour the next night. Like it's one of those ones that you need to watch like in a row, like straight through without interruption with your full focus. But um, if you can do that, um, it's, it's something else. I don't think it's for everyone. But it certainly was for me. I'm I'm super excited to like learn more about this and uh, and watch it again. So, and you can't go wrong with Sam Neill. I'm not really a Sam Neill fan. I am. So. Yeah, but uh, this is the Ajani show, Isabella Johnny. Like this is her movie. Like Sam Neill's in this, and he just does delivers a great performance. But for me, this was all about her, and she is fucking gorgeous. On but crazy, crazy and gorgeous, and like. Um, yeah, like I don't know if saying her she's gorgeous is the right thing, but um, but the, she's got these eyes and like they're like serious, crazy eyes sometimes, and uh, it's just one of those movies. I think just, the word you're looking for is probably electric. I don't know about electric. She's pretty electric. I don't know about electric. Like, well, she's, in the sense that you are compelled to watch everything she's doing on screen. Yeah, she's just. Uh, that one scene, man, like, I just can't even get over it. I haven't actually seen the movie, so I can't comment, but I know its reputation. And, yeah, you know, same as Josh said, I've heard it. I've, I've heard it praised through the roof for many a years. It's to, definitely art house. Due, to, other, due yeah. to a certain person on a podcast that Josh mentioned. This felt like a, um, it really felt foreign to me. It was shot in Berlin um, before the wall came down, I believe. Um, and this, it felt really, it felt like what a foreign movie would, if you told me, a, if you said, I'm going to watch a foreign film when I was 10, this is what I would have pictured. And it, ironically, it probably was when I was 10 um, that it was made. But this, that's, it's the kind of, that kind of look that I was, would kind of think of when I thought of the word foreign film when I was young is, is what this is. But, it, you know, it's definitely got horror elements to it. Um, but I just, I can't praise it enough. I'm, I, I'm, yeah, I was totally blown away. So 
Okay. Yeah. Uh, check it out. Uh, the creature was by um, Carlo Rambaldi, the uh, Lovecraftian creature who did E.T. and uh, King Kong 1976. And um, yeah, check it out. Absolutely. And I hope you do. I hope you do. <laughs> I don't know if you will. Like I just you're don't. talking to me. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you will. But I mean, well, I, I might if I uh, if you end up buying it, you can lend it to me. I think it's worth buying. I mean, I don't think it's for everyone, but I think. Um, um, it depends what kind of. I know that the. I seen that the Blu-ray seems to be pretty pricey. You can get a, a pretty good one for about fifteen dollars. Okay, well, for that much, I might be in. Yeah, I just for the for the one with all that velvet slip cover and all that stuff that they're asking like what sixty seventy bucks for. Yeah, yeah, I'm not down with that, but fifteen bucks, I'd probably swing. Like this is one of those movies that I I really think like after seeing it five times or something, it's it it's gonna be like top five ever hmm. so interesting yeah i can't follow up with that thanks a lot <laughs> i'm just gonna talk about another fucking 80s b movie now after you talk about that thanks a lot <laughs> but at least this one's interesting all right i'm gonna talk about black moon rising oh god <laughs> and i'm gonna tell you why this is interesting i guess that's pretty lame after possession yeah so this is a movie made by New World Pictures, which if you're a kid of the 80s, you'll know New World Pictures because they had that awesome glo- red globe logo that like would go across the screen and there'd be a strobe and you'd be like, oh, it's a New World Picture. This is going to be good, right? Um, Black Moon Rising is a basic story of a uh, super cool thief played by Tommy Lee Jones <laughs> who's hired by the government to break into a place to steal this like tax records but his plan gets foiled and he ends up stuffing this tax record inside this like jet powered car which is then stolen by Linda Hamilton and her cronies and taken to a chop shop run by Robert Vaughn from Man From Uncle right the most recently passed away Robert Vaughn rest in peace um and Tommy Lee Jones has to bust into that guy's compound to get back the tape. Right. So it's basically heist, heist, heist. Yeah. Um, what's interesting about this movie is that it's written, co-written by John Carpenter. Yeah. He also wrote the story for it. So I'm intrigued as to why he didn't direct the movie. For starters, it's directed by a guy called Harley Cockless, who did Battle <laughs> Battle Truck? Cockless, is that how you say Or Cockless? It's, uh, he directed Battle Truck which is also known as Warlords of the 21st Century. Oh, yeah. You've seen that. Flick. Yeah, yeah. Um, With Michael Beck's in that, isn't he? I think so, yeah. Yeah. This is a pretty cool little movie. Like, Tommy Lee Jones, this is when he's, like, kind of younger. This is before, you know, he became, like, kind of a household name with The Fugitive and stuff like that. Like, he had been in Rolling Thunder by this time and stuff. So, like, he would be familiar to people. Yeah. But he was, like, I, this is the first starring role I remember him being in. Because right. I saw this movie originally on like VHS back in the day. <laughs> and uh, he's kind of the cool thief in this. Like, you know, he's always constantly sporting this like leather jacket through the movie. And he's always smooth talking people. Like the opening scene is him like going into a convenience store to like buy something. And this guy comes in to hold it up. And he just like smooth talks the guy to leave and not rob the place. He's like, well, you know, if you do this, you're going to go jail. Is that going to be worth it? And he just, like, kind of smooth talks him out of robbing the place. Right. And then he goes and robs places. So it's like, you know, it's kind of like that. You know, it's, it's got this score by this guy, uh, 
Lalo Schifrin. He's he's kind of done a lot of movies, but this score sounds like it could be a John Carpenter score. Okay. Because it's got like the synths and stuff, and it's kind of John Carpenter-esque, and it sounds kind of cool. Um, he's just like, it's just a, kind of a fun movie. Like the prototype jet car is called the Black Moon. You know, it's one of those ones that can break the sound barrier. And, you know, he's eventually hired by the guys who made it to go steal it back. But he also has to steal it back because he wants that tax file because the government agents are cracking down on him and one of them is played by Bubba Smith right Hightower from yeah, the Police yeah. Academy movies Linda Hamilton sporting a really big 80s hair right and for some reason has sex with Tommy Lee Jones within like two hours of meeting him in this movie <laughs> even though Tommy Lee Jones is not an attractive man and it's just it's it's a fun movie it's, it's it's a movie you can't take seriously it's a movie that clips by really fast like I'm watching it and before I knew it I'm like this movie's already been on half an hour. I can't even... You know, I like movies like that where yeah. they're like an hour and a half and you don't even notice it. Yeah. It's just like clipping along and you're like, you know, you're not like blown away by it or anything, but you're like, I'm having fun with this. This has stuff in it. I can sit here and watch this cast forever because uh, Leaving, former leader of the punk band Fear, yeah. is in this as the main henchman of Robert Bond's character and he's fucking awesome. Right on. He's so badass in this, even though he's wearing like platform heels. Because in real life, he's like this kind of short dude. Yeah. So they gave him these like platform heels to make him look more imposing. And he's really cool. He has this big fight with Tommy Lee Jones that's actually kind of fun. And uh, let's see. What else can I do? I'm not selling it to you very well, but let's see. You you were definitely not selling it to me until you brought up leaving. Yeah. And now I'm kind of interested. Yeah. And then, uh, (laughs) you know, and it's got those those typical scenes from the 80s movies, you know, where they they're planning out what they're going to do by looking at the blueprints and like deciding how they're going to do this final heist, you know? And, you know, there's all this repelling going on while the score is pulsating in the background and they're all bypassing all the systems and the score is just ramping up and Tommy Lee Jones is driving this, this black moon around the compound trying to escape henchmen who are shooting machine guns at him and Lee Ving's after him and he wants to beat his ass. And, you know, it's kind of a fun movie. I did not like this movie at all when I was young, so I, I'm not sure. Dude, watch it again. It's pretty good. Yeah. I didn't like it as much when I was younger than I liked it now. I watched it again. I remember watched, I, I just remember a car shooting out of a window. Yeah, that's, yeah, that does happen, but, you know. That's all I remember. You did, Yeah, but. And I don't like Tommy Lee Jones. He's one of those actors where it's like, oh, Tommy Lee Jones is in this? No. He's Except c- I, the park is mine was a pretty good movie with him. Oh, the park is mine. That's just that's coming out of blue. I what can, about can't believe Rolling it. Thunder, man? Rolling Thunder is okay. But, yeah, I mean, come on. This is younger Tommy Lee Jones. This is before he got like annoying, like Men in Black one, two, and three, oh, and all yeah, that I shit. About that, yeah, yeah. This is like back when he was sort of cool, I guess. Yeah, but I, I had fun with just it. So I he mean, seems so grumpy. Yeah, well, I think it's because of the way he looks. He's got he's got the male version of resting bitch face. <laughs> he's like the grumpy cat of humans. <laughs> he's like, mm, you want me to go steal the black moon? Mm, I don't want to do it. Mm. Was he smiling when he got laid by Linda Hamilton? No. He's, no? Oh. No, he just comes down the next morning like, they have sex, right? Linda Hamilton's like rubbing all over him. I'm like, ooh, Linda Hamilton boob. And But she's got like the big puffy hair, so I'm like laughing at the same time. Yeah. And then she's like downstairs making him breakfast in her apartment, and he comes down the stairs shirtless, and he's trying to look all cool. And she's got all these like mannequin heads set up on the stairs with all these wigs on him. And he's like, how many wigs do you got? But then she's also got this motorbike in the middle of her living room. 
just sitting what? there. And he like gets on it and he's like looking at her. He's like, she's like, don't get any ideas about that motorbike. And he's like, don't worry about it. And I'm just like, like <laughs> she seriously beds down with him after like two hours. Wow. And she's working for the Robert Vaughn character who he wants to steal the fucking black moon from. Well, she was horny, man. Shit happens. I, I, yeah, I guess. I guess, <laughs> you know, you know. I have a feeling that because this is an 80s movie, maybe they just did a couple of rails of coke before they before they hooked up or something. Maybe. You know, I don't know. Anyway, it's kind of fun. I can't follow up possession with this, okay? But it's still... It's still <laughs> you I can't en- really follow up possession with much. I, I enjoyed it. I think I liked Killer Party a bit more, but this was fun. All right. <laughs> okay. He just killed it. <laughs> Killer Party was pretty awesome. I like him for different reasons. <laughs> God damn you. <laughs> All right. So what do you got left? <laughs> to wrap things up. As Are we usual. doing your ready? Yeah. I do the theme. Yeah, sure. me a chance adventure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this time around, I, I went with a pretty fun one this time. So this time around, we've got a movie called The Last Riders. Ooh. So now, this, this is either a biker movie or a Western. Oh, it's a biker movie. Oh, yeah. So starring Ponch. What? Is er- this like a fucking AIP release? Eric Estrada. Action International Pictures? No, it's not. It's starring Eric Estrada. Yeah. Ponch from Chips. Uh, awesome. This is directed by Joseph Merhi. Oh, PM Entertainment. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. This is PM Entertainment. Hell yeah. So, yeah, he's... Uh, Produced a lot of B movies. Also directed of a whole bunch of movies with LA in the title. Yeah, LA Vice, LA yep. Heat, LA yep. Crackdown. Yep. Um, he also made an awesome movie called uh, What the fuck was it called? He's made some pretty awesome movies under PM Entertainment. Those are like those were like the '90s version of canon movies. Yeah, these were. This was a fun movie. So this is this is what I wrote down for the opening two minutes. Dirty cops. 80s electronic bikini um, Venice Beach. Nice. Yeah. So the movie opens when with Ponch come into the picture. The movie opens with this chick. Um, I wrote down Sidaris chick. It's actually she's actually played by Mimi Les, Les, Lesios. Oh also, yeah, she was in a couple action movies. Yeah, and... the Magnificent Mini. She she was a wrestler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, she was in that American Angels Baptism of Blood. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's her walking down Venice Beach um, with this '80s music playing. Hopefully, she power bombs someone. She's wearing like this super hot bikini, and it's just like a total exploitation, like you know, camera following her down the beach as she's walking oh, the and smiling shots and stuff. yeah the yeah, like yeah. the bikini up the ass shots nice and, yeah and the big boobs and everything and anyway she's walking to the beach so this is going on and on i think she's carrying like a i guess what we would call a ghetto blaster um and there's for those like, millennials out there this is a this is a <laughs> machine that was a square box that could play cassette tapes and had speakers yeah <laughs> So she goes and walks down, and then she goes into this, like, finally gets to this her destination, which is, like, a fortune teller, and goes inside. And inside, there's, like, a couple of guys there, and she's going, she's actually there to make a drug deal. Oh. And, um... And meanwhile, Poncharelli is dressed up as the fortune teller, and he nope. throws off the thing. He's like, surprise! Nope. She, um... So the, the drug deal is with some bikers, and she beats up the bikers and takes does off... She, does she powerbomb one? Uh, no, she just, like, beats them up. Oh. Like, like, kicks the shit out of them. 
Anyway, it turns out that she's actually the girlfriend of this dirty cop. Um, and the bikers, so the bikers go back to their, their leader and the bikers are a, ba- um, a group called the slavers. Um, so the, the two guys that like got beat up by the girl <laughs> are going to get their asses kicked by their, their leader Rico. And that's when Ponch Eric oh, Estrada yeah. steps in because he's Johnny. And just when he, those, these two poor bikers that got their, got themselves beat up are about to really get it. By the leader, he's Johnny steps in. He's like, these guys have paid their dues, man. So he's like, kind of like the cool right hand man who like knows right from wrong and all that. Oh yeah. And he's like, I'm gonna take care of this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna fix this. I'll get our, I'll get our money back or whatever. So off he goes. To, right before he leaves, he flashes that famous smile. He has that smile. Oh yeah. So off he goes to um, collect the money, and meanwhile, um, the girl. Um, the the girl, the bikini girl, is in the. <laughs> there's a sequence of her in the backyard. There's a wrestling ring in the backyard of their house, and she's like doing wrestling moves. Sounds reasonable. It's it's really bizarre. Total backyard wrestling. Anyway, she goes inside, has a bath or whatever, and then uh, her she's hanging out with her dirty cop boyfriend, and then Eric Estrada shows up and uh, tries to get the money back, but in the process ends up. Um, both the, the girl and the dirty cop end up dying. Estrada ends up blowing away the dirty cop. But because he's a biker that's blown away a dirty cop, this is bad news for the bikers because now the cops are going to be after them because the cops all stick together, you know. So Estrada basically has to leave his gang and go on the lam to get away from the heat. Okay? So that's kind of how this all starts. And and we this is all established, too, in a nightclub where this band's playing that's like Vixen. Remember that band? Yeah, yeah. I've and, been living on the edge uh, yeah. of so it's a girl heart. band like Vixen and like a whole song. Like the whole song. Yeah. So it's like one of those like kind of 80s montage music video type. They could have like teamed up with White Sister. <laughs> they could have. <laughs> but this this it definitely felt like Vixen except for the part where in one part of the song one of the, one of the band members... All of a sudden, whips out a flute, and there's a big flute solo in the middle Fuck of the Fuck yes. <laughs> That's what every rock song, song needs. Fuck yeah. the saxophone. It needs a flute solo. <laughs> exactly. So I don't know what the hell was with the Vixen number, because, like, there's really the band. It was probably a band that the director knew. Exactly. And he's like, oh, we got to get him some exposure. Let's put him in our movie. But, like, major exposure. Like, And there was no reason for them to Maybe be in this movie. Maybe he was dating one of them at the time it or something. Been. Yeah. It must have been. Yeah. They were pretty awesome in their own way. Well, anyway, solo, dude, come on. <laughs> Eric takes off. He goes up, like goes up the state or whatever. Ends up in this like small, like kind of town with the you know one of those towns. It's just got like the gas station and the pub and all. Of course, it's got a bar where bar fights can happen. And um, he he meets up with William Smith, who's like an old buddy of his. William Smith's been on a whole bunch of biker movies, like Run Angel Run and The Loser and The Losers and Hammer from the seventies. And uh, anyway, starts working at William Smith's shop. William Smith plays a character named Hammer in this movie, actually. So Eric start, or Johnny starts working at Hammer's shop, and he's living in a trailer down by the lake. And it's there's all there is is a trailer by the lake. It's it's like the trailer in Bad Moon. You know how Michael Parry has that trailer yeah, yeah, that's yeah, by yeah. a lake. It's exactly it reminded me of that trailer. I was expecting him to jump out and start howling. Anyway, um, <laughs> that'd make it an entirely different. Movie. It would have. 
So, but before you know it, um, you know, Eric's got to have a love interest, of course. So this bitchy woman comes up in her, um, in her, in her car and, and her car is breaking down and, um, she's got a young daughter and of course she, you know, she's, she can't drive and Eric's trying to help her, but she's, you know, one of those angry women that I guess is just out of a divorce and she's just angry at everyone. So she's like, you're just trying to scam me. And off she goes and takes off. And of course her car breaks down and Eric goes to rescue her. And then you, before you know it, they're living together hmm. with the daughter. So that happens. And, um, then they go to Vegas to get married. So that happens. This all happens very, very quickly. But then what happens is the um, the cops, the dirty cops, end up. They're still they're still kind of after him, and they run into him in Vegas again. One of these things that just made no sense to me. But anyway, they run into Johnny in Vegas, so now they know Johnny's still around, and they convince the slavers that Johnny's a rat. So oh. now the slavers are like. It's him or us. So they off they go to take him out. So they go up to the small town to like try and get back at Eric for ratting them out, even though he didn't do that. And um, some shit happens. And then Eric is out for revenge. So now it becomes a revenge movie. And then it's it's a really kind of quick revenge movie. And then it ends super abruptly. And then it's over. Hmm. And there's one more Vixen song in there. Is it Vixen or... The I don't flute, know. I don't know what they're band. called. It's that faux vixen with the the flute band. Flute band, and again, now is it a song like them performing it live too? It's another song with them performing it live, except the second time they're doing it, it's a montage of oh. them performing it live. Meanwhile, Eric so beating up the biker gang. Oh, okay. okay. Um, yeah, I mean, and then I'll, the only other thing I wrote down is rocket launcher, exclamation mark. Nice. Abrupt end. And then, it end, yeah, it did end. Like, I was like, what the fuck? That's it? So, anyway, this was a lot of fun. I really I really kind of enjoyed this one. There was a, a lot going on. I really, I do like Eric Estrada. I've kind of, I am a Chips fan, and uh, I, I, I really kind of dug this movie. I thought it was, uh, yeah, I thought it was really well done. Um Yes, and it's not without its faults, but for an 80s B-movie, I thought it was pretty solid. And uh, yeah, I, I would totally recommend it. It is out on DVD. You can you can get it. I don't think it's that expensive. It's kind of it's not a double feature with something else. It's like um, PM Entertainment, though. Yeah. They were like the... Uh... They were like the 90s equivalent of canon for sure, though. This made me want to go and start watching a bunch of PM Entertainment movies. Because they did like, not only did they do all these action movies, like you were talking like L.A. Crackdown, yeah. CIA, CIA, Codename Alexis, and yeah. things like that. They also had like, they did a bunch of Don the Dragon Wilson movies like Ring of Fire. And the awesome one I was trying to think of was called Cyber Tracker. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, a, yeah, That's a sweet one. But they also did the Bikini Summer movies. You remember right. those? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, they were a pretty cool company, and it was just run by that uh, Joseph Mary and his partner. Yeah. And and they cranked out so much stuff, man. Yeah. So much stuff. But, I mean, there's a couple of Eric Estrada movies I've never seen that I've kind of wanted to see. He had this one in the late 80s called Alien Seed. Right. Which is him, like, taking on, like, evil aliens who want to impregnate all the women. Right, right. And it's directed by I think it's directed by the guy who made Chained Heat. Oh, was it? Yeah, I think so. And it just it seems so ridiculous. And then he had this movie in the mid eighties. It was right after he had been like on chips and that and they were trying to make him into an action star called like Hour of the Assassin or something like that. Oh, I have that somewhere yeah, too. I yeah, I really yeah. want to see that one. I it have was that released one on VHS. in like one of those big box MGM things on VHS. 
Yeah. And I've always wanted to see it, but I've never been able to hunt it down. I think he was in Cage Fear. Well, actually, the girl, like the love interest in this movie, is played by an actress named Catherine Middleton. She was in Caged Fury, and I think Eric was in that as well. She was also in Spirits, which he was also in. Oh, okay, yes. Yeah. So Spirits, the I'm Fred not Owen sure Ray if, movie. If, what's that? Fred Olin Fred Ray, Olin Ray movie, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I don't know if they were, they were a thing. Like, it's just weird when actors are in, are in the same movies over and over. But, um, yeah, she was pretty cute, too. I mean, I liked her. She she played the bitchy role quite well, um, but also, you know, also became quite likable. But I think this has some really some surprises that you're just, you know, you're just kind of not used to seeing. Like, you know, just kind of, some kind of harsh stuff happens that you're just kind of like, what the fuck? Like, that just wouldn't happen in in kind of a more mainstream movie. That's why, I, that's why I've always been drawn to B-movies, just because you never really know what to expect. I just kind of think Eric Estrada was like, he's just one of those guys. Like, you're like, when you think about him, you're thinking, oh, he's so cheesy, right? Yeah. But then when you watch his movies, you're like, oh, that was all right. That was okay time. Yeah. Like, he's okay in his movies. He's just... He's just so cheesy because you think of Chips, you know? You think of all the jokes they used to make about Chips, how every time he smiled, there'd be a glint on his teeth yeah, and yeah, all that yeah. kind of stuff. And then he was in all these B-movies, and, you know, I think he did a, did pretty good. Yeah, I've been looking forward to watching this one for a long time, and I'm really enjoying doing these VHSs because there's so many of these I've been looking forward to watching, and I just keep putting them off because they're on VHS. Yeah. I always go grab a DVD, right? But it's really fun, like, revisiting or seeing a lot of these for the first time, too, right? And, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed this one. So, um, yeah, looking forward to the next. Nice. I, I, I haven't really had a dud yet, so... No, you haven't. I think I think probably last week's is the one. Last episodes is probably the one you've seen the least jazzed about. What that was the last Soul one? Patrol. Oh yeah, Soul Patrol. But it was still unique, right? Yeah. And I still am glad I watched it because I would never watch that movie without if I wasn't doing this. Cool. So um, yeah, so that was this week's Josh's VHS adventure. Yeah. yeah. Next week's might be a dud. I think I've already selected what it's going to be, but. Well, that one could go either way. Next episode, find out. Yep. So that's it. Let's move on. Okay. So we're going to get into some snowy movies. Snowy. So I haven't really organized mine at all. I just was like writing down titles. Yeah. And I kind of was trying to do my research and I passed out. So we're just going to wing it. Yeah. So, you know, I kind of, my agenda at first was like, I want to pick movies where people are trapped in the snow. Yeah. But then you were like, I just wrote down movies with snow in them. I'm like, okay, well, that opens like it up. Like trapped, like, oh, shit, snow fell on me. I'm trapped. No, or, you know, like, oh we're, oh, we're trapped in the snow and we can't get away because of the weather, because the elements, you know, things like that. I was looking kind of more at that. Yeah. You know, stuff like, um, you know, like a movie like Alive or something, you know? Yeah, well, the shit does trap you, dude. And, like, most of the movies I have are kind of, like, trapped in the snow. Right. But I do have some movies that I just wanted to mention. Just, you know, when we when we first talked about this topic. Yeah. The first, the, literally the first thing that came into my mind was, and I'm not going to talk about these at length at all, but literally what came into my mind was Ice Station Zebra. Yeah. Which is a uh, um, uh, submarine movie from the 60s. Um, and the Iger Sanction, which is a climbing movie uh, directed and starring Clint Eastwood. Those were like the, those were the kind of movies that were going into my head at first, right. uh, but then when I started thinking about it, whereas mine were entirely different. What were yours? Mine was the thing, right, and the shining, 
Right. And those are like, what I started thinking about, those are like the obvious ones for yeah. this podcast, right? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, so, yeah, I mean, obviously the thing in The Shining. So, let's talk about the thing in The Shining. Okay. Uh, so, like, the reason I kind of suggested to you we do a winter-based, like, snow movie like this is because last year we did our a Christmas episode where we talked about Christmas movies. And, and I was like, okay, well... It's December. This is like our last episode before Christmas. I don't want to do a retread. Yeah. What can we do that kind of ties in? And it's just ironic that we happen to get snow out here yeah. for the first time in like three years, just when we were like thinking about doing this. And there's something to be said about a lot of these movies because of just the claustrophobia of them, right? Right. Like, like these are movies where, you know, I feel like if movies are done correctly that are very claustrophobic and tight, they work really well. Like an element like like snow is, you know, a scary thing to think that if you were, you know, imagine if you were like buried in an avalanche. Yeah. Or, you know, if you were, you know, trapped in a in a car surrounded by like a snowstorm and you couldn't move. And and the added element is that, you know, you can freeze to death. Yeah. You know, you can get hypothermia. At the same time, you can be crushed by it. You know, it, it's it's like, I find that the kind of stuff where it, it goes on n- n- nature elements like this is a lot more, you know, imposing and scary to me. Yeah. And, and that's kind of why I wanted to touch on this. And, and, you know, like I said, I was like, okay, first thing pops in my head is like, I'm like The Shining. Definitely The Shining. Yeah. Because The Shining ends... Well, it's shining. Basically, the whole movie is them going up to this hotel, the Overlook Hotel, for the winter season. You well, because they're the watchmen. Yeah, you know, it's just, in. Yeah. you know, Jack Nicholson, his wife, Shelley Duvall, and their son going to this hotel because he's going to look after it in the off season, which happens to be blizzard season. Yeah. And, you know, because of the supernatural elements in this hotel, it's causing his character to basically lose his mind yeah and it's never really explained if it's the hotel's influence fully or if it's the combination of his alcoholism the hotel's influence and just being trapped in the snow yeah and i find that's an interesting kind of element that's brought to the movie because you know there's scenes in this movie of you know them trying to escape yeah through a blizzard you know where they climb out the window yeah and and try and run through the snow and they can't get anywhere because they're just being pummeled from all sides by this this blizzard you know and and that adds that element because like you see all these movies where people are being stalked and and you know they don't have these big barriers in front of them that you're getting from winter movies you know yeah. and, and that's intriguing to me too and and the end of this movie ends in like basically a, a hedge maze that is snowed over. Yeah. And you know, and it's scary stuff. Like I think the shining, even though I know Stephen King doesn't like it, I think the shining is the best movie made from his work. Like the best thriller type movie made from his work. Yeah. And I know it goes off the finale of the book, the novel a little bit. Cause Stanley Kubrick kind of did his own thing, but it's a powerful movie, and, and and the wintry element, the snow element of this movie actually makes it, for me personally, more claustrophobic and, and just downright scary than it probably would be otherwise. Yeah. So, I mean, that's why I thought The Shining automatically. Yeah. No, The Shining is definitely brings all those elements into it. And then, of course, The Thing. 
Yeah, you can't do a snow episode. You can't. Thing. The the movie opens with you know a, a dog being chased through the Arctic by a helicopter, yeah. and and you know from there it becomes a story of isolation, even more so than The Shining is, because you're in the Arctic Circle, right? I mean, there's Antarctic. No Antarctic Circle, yeah. sorry. But there's nowhere to go. I mean, the weather, the elements are so brutal that where are you going to go? And then add in the element that you've got this like parasitic being amongst you. Yeah. And you have no idea who the fuck it is. Yeah. You know, like, this is a movie that was like not, didn't get received very well when it first came out. No. And I'm super happy it's a movie now that it's looked at with such reverence. Because yeah, and it's a siege, you know, it's a siege movie, but you're being under siege basically by the weather. Yeah, like, yeah, it's like a siege movie with her. I mean, like, sure, there's a monster in there with you. Yeah. But if you weren't trapped by a fucking, you know, the snow and this minus 40 degrees weather, you could get away. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, it's just, I think this one, even more so than The Shining, I think the thing is, is a movie that just ramps up those elements of you know being trapped yeah you know and and i just think it's a cool movie like it's got out some of the still to this day i feel the best monster effects i've ever seen yeah and uh cast is completely solid you know like memorable scenes galore like the stuff with the um the blood testing yeah and all that kind of stuff. stuff yeah but again it's a movie that has that added element from the weather, the winter weather being involved. You know, like, the things I most remember from this movie, apart from the creature effects, are the scenes with, like, you know, Kurt Russell's character with snow caked in his beard. Yeah. And wearing the big heavy parkas and that. And, you know, even on the poster, it's, it's you know, a parka with, like, the light emanating from it. Yeah. And just the snow around. And, you know, that's... It's a strong image, and I think that's also part of the reason I wanted to kind of talk about this topic. Yeah. So well, I definitely want to revisit the thing on the new Screen Factory disc. Uh, I haven't picked it up yet, but uh, I'm sure um, that'll really that'll bring it even more f- to the forefront. Yeah, I have the Universal disc, and it's pretty good. It's got the it's got that ch- documentary the that was on the DVD, but in a chopped up form. Remember you told me that that uh, feature-length documentary that was on the DVD? Yeah. It's on the Universal Blu-ray, but it's like in the scene thing where press the button when... Oh, yeah, that's super annoying. Yeah, yeah like press the button during the movie to see behind-the-scenes stuff, and that's just pieces of that documentary. I think it's back on the new uh, Screen Factory disc, though. Yeah, but that's definitely a movie that, you know, you think of that, and it, it's... The, the creature stuff is really frightening but i think what's more frightening about the movie is the being isolated in the antarctic yeah you know where there's no hope of getting away yeah it's terrifying so those are the two main ones i had okay but uh so like you were talking about what's the main two that came to you well i already said the well why don't you talk about them a little bit well ice station zebra and nah no, you don't want to. Okay, so what's... No, there's not a lot to say What's something about that you can Like look... another one that came to mind was Dr. Zhivago when I'm thinking about right. snow, right? But, but what's one that you can talk about where the winter elements are a threat that you, when you watched it, you were just kind of like, you know, thinking to yourself, you know, I'm glad I don't live in a climate like that where... 
Well, the one, the one I do want to talk about, and we do live in a climate like this, and I thought you were going to watch it, but it sounds like you maybe didn't. It was, I, yeah, I didn't. was Adam Green's Frozen. Yeah, no, I didn't get around to it. Okay, this is a really good movie, but uh, this is my favorite Adam Green movie. Um, this is from 2010, and um, this is a movie about um, a trio of skiers who um, are just skiing on a local mountain, which I do regularly, and... Uh, um, they want to get one more run in, so they they um, convince the chairlift operator to to bring them up for one more run. And I guess as their chairlift's going up to the top of the run, um, someone shuts it down, and then everyone goes like all the uh, all the workers of the mountain go home for the weekend, and these three skiers are left stranded on this chairlift. And that's the movie, and it's just about how do they get off the chairlift it's too high to jump um and um they need to try and figure out a way to get down before they freeze to death and you know all kinds of things come up like uh there's some animals involved and um you know something i wouldn't have thought about but you can't um you know if you can't you you can't simply just climb up and and try and climb down the wires because they're like razor sharp so it's just quite quite a terrifying concept, and I thought it was fantastic. Well, on the same on the same respect, I haven't seen the movie, but like, you know, also when you're saying climbing down the wires, there'd be also the thing about like trying to climb down the metal poles and that. But you know, as you know, with cold weather, you would peel the skin off your hands. And, yeah, you know, you'd stick to that. So that adds that element to it, I believe. It's terrifying. So. Yeah, I, I definitely recommend Frozen. So, um, yeah, I don't want to give much much more away, but yeah, if you, if you don't think a movie that's set with three characters on a chair can be scary, um, check this one out. Cause yeah, it, I have the Blu-ray at home, and it's I would, pretty great. I'd fully intended to watch it, but I've had so much going on that I just ran out of time. Yeah, I, yeah, I was so stoked when I heard about the concept for this movie um, that I I watched it pretty much right away when when I learned about it and. Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty great. Um, um, yeah. So um, yeah, there's nothing. Uh, you know, the actors are. You know, they've been around a bit, but nothing, nothing uh, too great. Um, like you might recognize Sean Ashmore from the X Men movies and the Ruins and stuff like that. Um, his funny. His character's name is Joe Lynch. Nice. Who's, uh, Adam Green's uh, co-host on the um, movie crypt. Movie crypt. Yeah. So that that was one that came to mind for sure. Uh, just because I think it's a really great movie. Um, do you have any more to mention, or should I just well, like, keep going here? Like I kind of had this thing where too, where you always see those movies about like planes crashing in the mountains, right? In the snow, and and you know, there was only a couple of those that came to mind. Like obviously, there was Alive, yeah, the nineteen ninety two movie Alive, which is based on a true story about a rugby team who their plane crashes in the Andes. Yeah, and uh, they're forced to eventually get to such a desperate situation that they have to resort to cannibalism. Yeah, and it's a pretty harrowing movie. Like, it's a survival movie. It's not really a thriller or anything like that. But it's just like, it's one of those movies where just the the fact that you're trapped somewhere where you're no hope of really being rescued because you know you can't be seen from the sky because of the blizzard conditions. They people don't really know where you are to begin with. Yeah. And then you have to resort to such a horrifying act as, you know, eating your fellow man and teammates because it was a sports team. It just adds this added element to it. And, and 
I don't think it's like the best movie. Like it's a good movie, but I think the book is way better. But it, it's yeah. just like, can you imagine that? Like you're in a plane and all of a sudden you're like trapped in the middle of nowhere. You have the chance of freezing to death, but you're also starving at the same time. So you have to do such horrifying acts. I think it's pretty great that a mainstream movie got made of this. That's true, but it's just like... But you're right. The book is way better. There's there's way more, obviously, way more detail in the book than you're going to get in a mainstream movie. Also, if you want to see the exploitation version of this movie, because it's actually kind of a remake. Um, there was a Rene Cardona movie um, from the 70s called Survive, right. which is exactly the same premise, but it's a little more... Uh, they show a little more <laughs> than they do in uh, in the uh, in the remake. Well, and then there was the movies that were kind of inspired by Alfred Packer, who was another one of those. Right? Like, yeah, I didn't think of like Alfred a, Packer. Yeah, he was like a pot. I don't know what what time frame it was. I think it was the eighteen hundreds. Yeah, I think it was like the gold rush. Yeah, where they were like trying to work their way across country, and they got stuck out in the mountains too in the snow, and they had to resort to cannibalism as well. And you know, Trey Parker, Matt Stone. Creators of South Park did like a musical black comedy about it called Cannibal the Musical, which Troma put out. Yeah. And um, there was also that movie Ravenous with uh, Guy Pierce. Yeah, it was a good flick. And that is yeah. is kind of loosely based on the Alfred Packer stuff because, it's, you know, it's about a cannibal and it's set in that time. And there's also a lot of, you know, wintry elements to it. Yeah. But uh, another one that involves a plane crash. Well, there's two that came to mind that involve plane crashes. One of them I haven't seen, but I've always been curious about is the Liam Neeson movie, the gray. Yeah. It's a good flick. Which is uh, direct, yeah. written and directed by Joe Carnahan, who yeah. made um, a really good movie f- in 2002 with uh, Jason Patrick and Ray Liotta called Narc. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that movie. That's okay. And yeah. he also did the a team with uh, Liam Neeson and yeah. Bradley Cooper, which was kind of fun. And he did story. <laughs> I'm like, eh. and he did smoking aces, which I've never yeah. seen, but heard was okay. Yeah, you're really yeah, it, down. It was on okay, <laughs> but I've always, I've always heard this the, was the best movie I've seen by him. I've always sure. heard the Gray's kind of a good, mo- like kind of a tense movie. It's really good, yeah. And um, the other one involving a plane crash that I do love, and it's directed by the vastly underrated Rennie Harlan. Is the Sylvester Stallone vehicle cliffhanger? Yeah, it's a good one. Um, John Lithgow is the most over-the-top villain as he can be. There was no one trapped in the snow. In well, that the way. plane crashed in the mountains, <laughs> right? And the bad guys went up to get the money that was on it, and he was kind of like oh, a mountain yeah, yeah. guide. Yeah. I mean, they weren't trapped, but it was set in the mountains. You know, there's all those scenes of like, you know, them hanging between the gorges of the mountains and like trying to hold on to the hand. Before All I can think of when I and... is that raccoon in Ace Venture or when nature calls, but <laughs> what? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But you know, Cliffhanger is a is a pretty is a pretty fun movie though. That's the only time I've ever laughed out loud in the theater. Really? Yeah. You went and saw and fucking, I could not you stop. You went in theaters? What's wrong with you? It was at the cheap theater. I don't know why I went. Why would you go? Jim Carrey movies suck, dude. My, I, I laughed and laughed and laughed when that happened. Is that the sequel that that was in? And I felt so awkward because I was the only one laughing. Was, was that the sequel? Yeah. Oh, okay. Anyway, Cliffhanger still cracks me up. Cliffhanger is pretty cool because it's got the like... You know, it's it's a bunch of thugs shooting at Sylvester Stallone in the mountains yeah. and almost setting off avalanches with their guns and shit. Yeah. It's a fun movie. Rennie Harlan made a whole bunch of fun movies. We've talked about that in the past, and yeah. I don't think he gets enough credit. And Die Hard 2 is kind of 
his a winter movie for yeah. him too because it is set at an airport in the winter and there's yeah. you know there's a scene with John McClane Bruce Willis's character stabbing someone in the eye with an icicle and you know planes being grounded because of snow and everything and that's a pretty fun one too snowmobile action scenes in it and everything yeah yeah it's a pretty cool flick I actually like Die Hard 2 a lot more than most people yeah I gotta revisit all the Die Hard for a while well, I gotta die- revisit the first for a three. while they're actually I hate to say it now but for a while there I like Die Hard 2 better than the original wow that's, I've changed that's, my mind now because that's controversial I've changed my mind now yeah but uh I remember loving Die Hard 2 when it first came out and I think Randy Harlan is totally underrated. Yeah. So there's those ones involving plane crashes. Yeah. I was trying to think of more, but I couldn't. Involving plane crashes. Yeah, I think that might. I think you might have them all there. Yeah, there wasn't like a lot, but that's an that's an interesting one too because like, you know, there's always that fear about people have fear of flying. Yeah. You know, you always hear about people who who freak out when they have to fly, and could you imagine like crashing a plane in the in the middle of a friggin glacier mountain no 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 i i don't and i have to go in little planes up north of bc all the time so <laughs> sorry dude. let's just not talk about it anymore <laughs> <laughs> so those little tiny planes with the propellers and like 20 people on them yeah yeah I've, I've been on one of those in the winter before because i flew to visit my mom once and we had to go on one of those propeller planes, you know, and it was like a, a 50 seater. Yeah. And it was like snowing. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I hope this doesn't end badly. Yeah, <laughs> Try taking one up to Williams Lake or Dawson Creek. Yeah, yeah no. Good times. Um, <laughs> another one of winter ones I just want to briefly mention because I know you didn't write these down is the slasher movies that were kind of winter themed. Yeah, I did not write those down. Um, Like these are not. I wrote one down. The, which one? I wrote down Cold Prey. Okay, well, you could talk about that because I haven't seen it. I'm a, apparently, this is the only good winter-based slasher movie. Yeah, I really liked Cold Prey. It's from 2006, and it's a... Um, shit. It's, it's Norway? I think, I think it's, it's Norway. Norwegian, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's it's about um, uh, this group of people, um, one of whom is played by Ingrid, uh, Ingrid Bolsel-Bertel. She was in, like, Chernobyl Diaries, but... Um, Icelandic or Icelandic, a Norwegian actress, I believe it's Norwegian. Um, but this was, yeah, they, 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 it's a group of people that are at this uh, chateau that's out in the middle of the snow, and uh, then they get stalked by a serial killer type thing. So that's the end of Cold Prey. <laughs> wow. Well, I don't know what to say about it. I've had it for a long. I haven't watched it in a long time, and I gave you my copy of. So there I, was two sequels to it. Yeah, there were two sequels. She was in the first one. And, uh, but she was in the, but I didn't really want to bring up the sequels because the first sequel takes place in a hospital. So it's kind of like Halloween two. Right. And the second one takes place in the woods. So it's really not a, so how, what are the elements of the movie? Like that have to do with the winter? Like, well, it's all in the snow. Like they're they're like, why are they in the snow? Were they going on a skiing trip or something? I think they were, I can't remember how they ended up. I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen this. But I do remember, I do think about it from time to time. It was really well made. And, um, they, yeah, I think they were out skiing or something. I feel like someone got injured, maybe. They were on a snow... Okay, it says they were on a snowboarding vacation. Yep. And one of them breaks their leg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they have to take shelter in an yeah, abandoned yeah, yeah, hotel. Yeah, 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 and then they get to this, this hotel. It's like a chalet. And then... Um, 
and then someone starts stalking them all. Oh, okay. But yeah, it's, it's pretty good. It's it's a good little movie. And um, yeah, I'd recommend it. I, I'm actually going to rebuy it, I think, because I, I really did enjoy it. And I do think about it from time to time. So that's how I always kind of know I really liked a movie is when it comes to mind regularly. And I do think about this movie somewhat not all like i'm not always thinking about it like i am possession but um i do oh geez it's already started <laughs> but i uh it does come to mind every so often i do think oh yeah that cold prey movie that was a pretty cool flick so why i'm like shredder I, I, yeah i was just gonna <laughs> say that let's talk about a couple of shitty winter although we both movies. just bought shredder at dollarama so so, yeah, there's Shredder from 2003, which Josh is talking about, and that's like a snowboarder's being killed by... I've seen it once, and I remember it was like a killer with like... He had his ski goggles, and he killed people with an axe, and it was pretty shitty. Is that the one with the wire across, and there's like someone snowboards... I think so, yeah. ...into this like wire and gets like decapitated I or something? I think so, yeah. But, um... Yeah, the other one is this one from 1988, which is pretty obscure, called Iced. Yeah. And that was like skiers on a mountain being killed by a slasher. Little about it, apart from the fact that on the cover, it had like this silhouette of this guy on skis on top of a mountain. And then above it, it had this close-up of this skiing goggles with these fucking crazy eyes behind him. And then it just said Iced, and I, that made me rent it. <laughs> and and I was just like, because I'm a aficionado of 80s slasher movies, right? And even I remember having a hard time getting through it. It was just wow. so lame. And I think Shredder, I think Shredder is also the one where someone gets fed into one of those like fucking snowmaking machines, or the ones that like turf up the snow. So it's got like it's kind of like a combine for snow. Yeah, yeah. And I think in Shredder, it's someone gets fed into that. And that's the only thing I remember I liked about that. Movie. I don't know if Shredder's as shitty as you think. I don't know, man. I rebought it because I wanted to see if it's as shitty as I remember it or if it's actually pretty good. <laughs> so you know, we both bought it. Maybe we should watch it for uh, for a future. What have you been watching? Yeah, episode. yeah. <laughs> I think we'll, so. We'll both crank out our Dollarama. <laughs> shredder copies and see what happens but those are the only like three slasher movies i can think of that were set in a wintry climate yeah i think i think i think i agree those are the kind of three main ones i mean there's other horror movies set in wintry climate there's like the dead snow movies yeah which are like nazi zombies attacking people but i actually the second one wasn't really was it like the second one was more yeah I, I, summary kind of. I wasn't thinking to bring up the second one. Yeah, like the first one's definitely a snow movie because you know there's all the scenes of them like trying to run away from the Nazi zombies and the snow is too deep. Yeah, and things like that. Like I'm not a huge. No, I'm not a huge. <laughs> I'm not a huge dead snow fan to be no, honest. No, they're too funny for me. I don't like, like funny. I like some of the gore <laughs> gags in the first one. Yeah, there were a few. There, like, there was, was that few scene moments. where he's like falling off the cliff and he grabs onto the one Nazi zombie's intestines and he's hanging off the edge of the cliff from them. Yeah. I thought that was kind of fun. I just picked them up again. I, I just picked up the first one again. Yeah. Um, I got it on a three pack, so I'm going to check that out again and then I'm going to rewatch the second one before I dump it. But I, um, I liked. I, I, I just thought they were both kind of mediocre. I think I liked the second one better, but I just I don't understand why they have such a following i don't i don't think they're great no but uh that uh, director tommy workola mm-hmm. he made that like hansel and gretel movie with like jeremy yeah. renner in between the two yeah and i've heard that's 
supposed to be okay, but I'm just like, no, nah, too much CG for my blood. Yeah, it's definitely not a director I'm really excited about. Yeah, I'm just kind of really. like, meh. So there's Dead Snow, and what else did we have here? For, like, horror movies? Well, yeah. Let's 30 Days of bit. Night. Yeah, I haven't seen it, so I... Oh, dude, dude, it's so good. I didn't really bring it up. So this is vampires on the loose in a in a snowbound uh, Alaskan town. Yeah, where it's night for 30 days. Hey, there you go. It's based on uh, Steve Niles' comic book. Yeah, and this is a, this was a fun movie. This is directed by David Slade. Uh, he, did, he did that movie Hard Candy, which was pretty yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's starring Josh Hartnett and Melissa George and Ben Foster. And, um, yeah, I really dug this movie. I mean, I like vampire movies, and I thought the vampires in this were pretty menacing. Um, they were, like, kind of, like, messy vampires. Were they, like, they kind of, like, didn't they, were they, like, European, too? Yeah, they kind of, they were, they kind of had, had like, that, the accents. I don't remember that. I thought there was, like, a bald one who he had, like, kind of a uh, Russian-y type accent in the movie. Don't remember that I don't either. know. That's the impression I got from the trailer. I haven't seen the movie. Yeah, I, I remember them being pretty menacing. And, and by messy, I just mean, like, they they got, like, when they when they started, like, ripping throats out, it, there was blood everywhere. Well, and the thing about that is, too, that contrast of bright crimson blood yeah. on snow. Oh, yeah, there's a really cool... It's always a great image for, like horror movies and stuff yeah there's a great overhead shot in this movie like where there's a camera like panning over the town yeah as there's a massacre going on and it's pretty great yeah this is a re- it's really fun i haven't seen the sequel but the uh the first one was a really pretty solid horror movie and uh and vampire movie so yeah, yeah i'd totally uh, recommend checking it out let's do the thing that i always do when we talk about this hey guess what josh I have 30 Days of Night and its sequel on Blu-ray, and I haven't watched either one of them. I know. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> this never happens. All right. <laughs> Another uh, horror movie is The Colony. Yeah. Um, I, I thought it was kind of mediocre, but... Um, it's Lawrence def- Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne, uh, directed by Jeff uh, Renfro, who did um, Civic Duty and uh, the I Am Steve McQueen documentary. Um, and also starring Kevin Zegers, who is in Frozen. Um, but this one's about like an outpost, um, like kind of, it's one of those, like the world's ended and there's not very many survivors. And then there's, they're in this outpost and, and they find out about this other outpost. So very, the thing like in that setup, um, except it's not in Antarctica. I don't, I don't think it is. Anyway, they, they, they go to the, a couple of them go to the other outpost cause I, can't remember i think they got like a distress signal or whatever and then it's kind of thing like again except um they find that there's like this community of monsters there and and then it's just basically the monsters chasing the humans um but yeah it was it was okay like i didn't i didn't absolutely hate this movie it's one of those ones where i'm like oh i'm gonna get rid of this but i haven't because i'm kind of curious to watch it again now but um, it definitely had a lot of CG, but I mean, it did have Lawrence Fishburne and Bill Paxton. I mean, it can't be that bad, right? I mean, it was okay, but um, if you're dig- if you're digging like horror movies set in snow, I guess it's not a bad one. Yeah, and, and speaking of thing like that, that reminds me of another one that I haven't seen, but I've heard is actually pretty decent from like 2009 called The Thaw. Starring. Oh uh, yeah, we Val- talked about that with Todd Bass. Val Kilmer. Yeah. I've heard that's pretty good because that's kind of like thingish in a way because it's about like a parasite yeah. going into people's bodies. And 
I was released as part of that um, Ghost House Underground, I believe. Yeah. yeah. So I'm kind of curious about that one because, I mean, I've heard it's a pretty decent little monster movie. Um, is that um, Harbinger Down? Is that a winter based or is that a water based? No, it's water based. Okay. okay. Yeah. Because I was, I couldn't remember when I was thinking about them and I thought that might be, but okay. That's... There's that wind, uh, or there's wind chill yep. with Kate Beckinsale and I haven't oh, Emily seen... Blunt. Whiteout's the one with Kate. Oh Beckinsale. yeah, right. Wind chill's the one with Emily Blunt, right? Yeah. And I, yeah, I mean, we talked about this one before. I can't remember why, but um, we were talking about Live Die Repeat. Right. I, I thought this one was okay. It didn't really make an impression on me either way. But yeah, Whiteout's another one that's based Whiteout on looks cool. That's yeah. based on like a Greg Rucka graphic novel. Okay. Um, it's about she plays like a cop. Yeah. Out in Alaska Antarctica. or Antarctica yeah. or somewhere, and there's a killer on the loose. Yeah. And I remember I've seen the movie. I actually liked it more than a lot of people seem to, because I thought it was pretty decent. And yeah, I just like the setting. And there was like a I, I remember there's this cool scene in it where they have to like. They have these. So when the storms come in, they set up these these posts with with like wire on them, so that they can kind of use that as a guide okay. to get between buildings. Yeah, the thing has that too. Yeah, yeah, they kind of had that too. And I just remember there's a memorable scene like that, and like there's the killer uses an axe to his advantage. And I thought it was a pretty decent little movie. I I I just uh, it's just one of those movies where it seemed to not get that much praise but i thought it was okay like i don't really and that's white out white out yeah like yeah wind like chills he, the mediocre like beckinsale's kind of i can do hit or miss with her because like she, you've done six fucking underworld movies i mean yeah come on yeah like seriously <laughs> yeah I, I agree but yeah it was okay yeah i remember it being pretty decent watchable yeah yeah i forgot about that one that's a pretty good one yeah and then the other one, Winchell, you can kind of, I, I, I think. Yeah, I, I recently picked that up. For like, it. Yeah. I picked it up for like a dollar because I, I heard it's not terrible. Yeah. Isn't it basically just her trapped in a car in the middle of a blizzard or something? Her and this guy. So it's like. Another, obviously it didn't make him that much of an impression. It's like one of those like frozen situations where it's like actors in a very small confined space for almost the entire running time. No, it's not like that. No, I thought it was. I remember the beginning part of this movie being pretty into it, and it's exactly what you're talking about. The whole, like, yeah. they're trapped in a car and there's shit going on around them thing. Yeah. But I, I, from what I remember, that did not last nearly long enough to keep, oh, okay. capture my interest. I remember thinking it was going to be like that, and then it was not like that, and then I was like, meh. Oh, so, okay. yeah, I, I, I don't know if I'll ever need to revisit that one. Yeah, and I, as for horror stuff, I'm not going to really talk about these ones because they're we talked about them last year on our christmas yeah. episode but you know obviously movies based around christmas are gonna have snow yeah so you know you've obviously got the silent night deadly night movies yeah we don't need to go you've through got all those. krampus you've got gremlins these are all movies you should check out but i'm not gonna just talk. check out our last yeah episode. go to our like last go to year our, yeah. uh bah humbug episode yeah if you want to hear about those yeah exactly yeah there's no need to retrain all those exactly um so what else you got uh, keep going. I all right. I got a few um, train and snow movies. Runaway train, of course. Yeah, Runaway train. Have you seen Runaway train? Oh yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's a really good movie. So that's a 1985 movie. 
really underrated action movie that not a lot of, a lot of people talk about. But um, Arrow um, UK is putting out a nice edition of this. It's been a little bit hard to find lately around here, but it's directed. I think it's by, coming out from Twilight Time also. Oh, it's Twilight Time putting it yeah, out. Yeah, I think so. Directed by Andre Konchulovsky, uh, who also did Tango and Cash. Yep. But it's yeah, it's, it's a. You know, John Voight, Eric Roberts, and Rebecca de Mornier, they're all kind of bad people, I believe. So, again, it's been a while since I've seen this, but they're, anyway, trapped on a train with no brakes. And uh, and meanwhile, there's a lot of infighting going on and stuff it, like it's that. It's kind of like Unstoppable with Denzel Washington, only with less suck. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's a pretty intense flick, and I really, really dug that. It's really underrated. So. And I know what the other one you're going to say is, too. It's Snowpiercer. That's one of the other ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, but I haven't seen Snowpiercer yet. Neither have I. I know. I feel so like such a bad genre fan having not seen Snowpiercer. Hey, guess who has it at home on Blu-ray? Chris, it's it's <laughs> like a lost cause with you. <laughs> <laughs> it can be. It can be. <laughs> like I'm surprised. Like I, I seriously, I don't. I know Turner and Hooch is on Netflix now. I feel like you're gonna watch that over some of these. Dude, awesome I've movies. seen Turner and Hooch in the past two years. Oh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta stop watching stuff like that start oh, watching some of this good this shit. is the exact same thing that my girlfriend says to me she's like got all these movies like this but then you go and watch some shitty B movie I'm like well <laughs> I just <laughs> hang my head in shame so Snowpiercer's yeah it's, it's a Korean co-production I believe because the director is uh, yep. Junho Bong um, who did uh, The Host which we've talked about yep. um, Chris Evans John Hurt Ed Harris Tilda Swinton. This is supposed to be a really great movie, and um, yeah, unfortunately, I haven't seen it yet. Um, the other one I wanted to bring up was Trans Siberian, right? Christopher Lambert. No, no, that's a no. different. One. This is a 2008 movie directed by Brad Anderson, who did Session Nine oh, okay, and okay. Um, The Machinist, um, starring Woody Harrelson and Emily Mortimer as a couple that are on a train on the Trans Siberian Railroad. Um, going from um, uh, China to Russia. And uh, while they're on the train, they meet up with another couple played by Eduardo Noriega, and um, he was in The Devil's Backbone, and uh, Kate Mara. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just, a, it's just a pretty tight little thriller where um, that takes place on a train barreling through the snow, and, you know, they get off the train. Well, some of the characters get off the train at certain points, so it's not all on the train, but... Um, but yeah, it's a really uh, a recommended thriller. I thought of just when we're we were uh, thinking about the topic. Um, I'm kind of sold on Woody Harrelson. It's a good one, man. If you have, have you I heard really, of it? I really no, I haven't. But I really like Woody Harrelson. Yeah, I think he's totally underrated. Yeah, this is a really good one. And again, not not a lot of people know about that movie. And Brad Anderson's a pretty solid. Yeah, director. when he said Trans Siberian, I thought uh, I know a movie by with Christopher Lambert in it. Oh, okay, I, I didn't know this one. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, some other ones I've I've written down. I'm just gonna sort of randomly go through them. Fargo, obviously, um, it's got some big snow sequences, including the snowblower that you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um, one that we both watched recently that um I know Kristen liked, but I th- I thought it was okay. Called the Frozen, uh, from 2012. Um, I didn't dislike it. I just thought it could have been more. Yeah. So this is directed by a, a director named Andrew Hyatt. Hasn't really done a lot. But um, this one has a couple that um, they want to go on this, like, isolated camping experience. So they, like, drive their truck into the, like, middle of nowhere. And then they go on snowmobiles and then go another 10 miles 
uh, uh, you know, into the middle of the wilderness, and then they camp. Yeah, they do. They're doing winter camping. Yeah, which and it, just it, sounds it, like crazy. It was mostly his idea, though, because remember, in early in the movie, he said, "Oh, thanks for coming with me and doing oh, yeah, this it was, with me." You know, it's just. And she was you. She she was the total bitch. For the first half hour of this movie, too. Well, I would be, too. If yeah. anyone... T- I've already told... I, if anyone ever brought me and made me do this shit, I would be an asshole. I feel like if anyone took you camping in the summer, you'd be an asshole. Yes, I am an asshole. <laughs> I don't like camping. I'm okay with doing it like when you're near... So I don't want to be in the middle of fucking nowhere. That's where animals belong. Yes, I know humans <laughs> are animals before everyone flips out. I love but the animals. I just don't understand the stupidity of taking a fucking snowmobile when you're already in the middle of nowhere, then going 10 more miles into the middle of nowhere on a snowmobile. You know, of course you're you're fucked when your snowmobile breaks down, which is exactly what happens in this movie. And then not only are they fucked because they can't get back, but there's also ghosts everywhere. Well, it wasn't a snowmobile that broke down. They had an accident because he fucking thought he saw someone in the woods and he crashed the fucking thing. Yeah. So anyway, if if there was ever the slightest sliver of hope that I would ever fucking do something this idiotic, <laughs> it will not happen now that I've seen this movie. I know no one you could not convince me to go snowmobiling anywhere unless I was with a guide. My my issue with this movie This was terrifying to me. This movie scared the shit out of me. I was uncomfortable the whole time and i still think about it my issue with this movie is that it's one of those movies where kind of like willow creek where nothing is happening much at the beginning and then when stuff started happening in this movie i was like okay you're going in that direction this is not working as much for me like i understand being trapped in the in the middle of nowhere in the winter, having an injury, not being able to get away—that stuff, yeah, sure, it unnerving. was effective, totally unnerving. But then when you throw in this stuff in yeah, it, yeah, yeah, I'm not gonna ruin it. But there's stuff that happens in this movie where by the end of it, I was just kind of scoffing to myself. Yeah, you know that's not a good sign. I do agree that you know I kind of had wished they had just left it as a survival horror because I thought it was. I thought it was really effective. Well, like, okay, so the thing is, right, the movie purports, like, okay, it's a survival horror kind of, but they have this thing where she's like, they're trying to do this angle where this guy is supposed to be tracking them down and hunting them down, but it's so secondary that I never once felt that that chick was in danger. Like, the main girl, I never felt she was in danger from anything, really. Like really, you didn't feel like she was in danger from the elements. I didn't really because she wasn't really acting like she was in danger from them. She just basically did her thing, and and she never once was like, "Oh, I'm freezing to death. I'm you know, I'm 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 hungry." This stuff never came up for her. She mm, just yeah, she was yeah. just like in her tent. She wasn't cold when she was in her tent. And then she went and she you know she managed to make herself food and everything. There was never that danger element for me i don't feel like when i was watching it like okay the premise being trapped in the in the wilderness in the winter in a snow and having an injury sure scary yeah admittedly but the way it was portrayed in this movie just i didn't feel like she was in danger i didn't even feel she was in danger from this guy who was supposed to be hunting so you didn't her down. feel the tension no yeah. tension yeah that's my problem i felt the movie was 
was decently made. Yeah, it like was decently made, yeah. Like, it's a low-budget movie, obviously, because it's only got, like, three cast members for the most part. And, you know, it's it's got a, loca- like, fairly slender location because it's just in the woods. So it was well-made for what it was. Yeah. But I didn't feel tension in the first part. And then that last third, when they decided to shift it a little bit, yeah. I was just like, no. No, I get where you're coming from. I think I could just really because I just I I do have some concerns with camping. Well, see, and I don't because I do go camping every year. Yeah, and I think people that go camping are kind of idiots. So, well, I don't do backwoods camping. Yeah, though. Uh, so um, like the people in this movie, like I I I do not I can't even wrap my brain around well, why you would do that. The thing is, is that they do stupid things in this movie for the purpose of propelling the plot forward. No, but doing what they did in the first well, place it is, is kind of it is kind of stupid. Yes, like I would just never think to do that. Like, but I mean, like you can get away from the city enough without yeah. doing that. But on the flip <laughs> on the flip side of this, I think the problem too with this movie was that not even a year ago I saw another survival horror movie called Backcountry. Right. Which was way more effective than this. Right. And it was the same kind of basic premise. Camping idiots. Well, no, they, <laughs> they, but it was the same basic premise, right? They're in the wilderness. Sorry, I'm a city boy through and through. I know you are. In case anyone hasn't I know you are. figured but, that out. But they're in the wilderness <laughs> and, you know, they're being stalked by a bear. Yeah, yeah, we've you know, talked about this one. It was a, a much more effective, intense movie than this one because in that movie, I actually had the feeling through the whole thing that they were in danger. Right. And not just from this animal, yeah. but from the elements. Whereas in this movie where the elements were harsher because yeah. in backcountry, it was summertime. Right. In this movie, it's fucking dead of winter. Yeah. And I never felt like she was in risk of getting frostbite. I never felt she was in risk of dying from, you know, freezing to death. Yeah, I yeah. never felt like she was going to starve to death. None of that. No, I can that, see that. And yeah. that's why I had an issue. Yeah. I'm not I saying I hated the movie. I'm just saying there was a lot of stuff that I kind of didn't agree with. Yeah, I can see that. But... I'd be interested to see something else this guy made. It was okay. I'm not, I don't know if I'm gonna like hold on to the DVD. Or yeah, anything. like, was, like yeah. I'm interested to see any something else this Andrew Hyatt guy has made because, like I said, it was a decently made movie on a low budget. Yeah, like it looked good for the most part, and you know, it's just like you you see low budget movies that look like shit. This didn't. This actually seemed to do what it had to do, and actually, you know looked pretty good for what was obviously a low budget. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What else have I got here? Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. I mean, the Hoth sequence is an absolute classic snow sequence. Yep. I mean, you can't really... Uh, there's not much better than that as far as big I movies mean, go. I still use the... I still use the reference of cutting open a tauntaun to people every once in a while. Well, it's also one of those. And I thought they, yeah, I mean, I thought some of the ways the elements were displayed were pretty good. Like with that whole, the rescue of Luke thing was yeah. pretty great. And the whole like adats and, you know, I mean, yeah, that stuff, like, I'm it's not one a, of those sequences in the Star Wars franchise that I, it's probably may actually be my favorite. I, part. I yeah. think, yeah, honestly, I think that that's my favorite sequence in any of the Star Wars movies I've yeah. seen. Is yeah. that uh, the what do they call them? The walkers, the adats. Yeah, like that's the most scene I remember the most for yeah. sure. 
Yeah. I mean, I'm not a huge Star Wars guy in general. I haven't seen Force Awakens. I don't give a shit about Rogue One or whatever the fuck it is. Like, for me, it's the original three, like four, four, five, six, I guess they call them. They'll always be one, two, three to me. Like, you know, it's Star Wars Empire Return. It's always going to be that, and that's all I need. Yeah. To be honest. But, yeah, that 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 worked really good because, you know, there was... You're right. There was the elements of, like, Luke freezing to death and stuff like that. And, you know, when you're a kid and you're seeing Empire, because Empire came out in 1980, yeah. so I saw it when I was probably eight. Yeah. I was scared shitless because I yeah. thought he was going to freeze to death. I'm like, oh, man, I hope I never have to be outside in a winter like this. Yeah. So it worked in that sense. Yeah. So, yeah, Empire, pretty good. It's fucking Star Wars, man. I know. I don't care about the new ones. And how many is it they're going to do? They're going to do one a year for the next, what, eight years I don't or know. I, I don't care it either. Like, I just, I, I don't know. Like, like I, everyone's having, like, fucking nerdgasms, and I'm just like, who cares? I feel bad for not caring, though. I don't. Like, I feel like I should care. But you know what it's doing? Like, The Force Awakens and all that? Yeah. I feel like it's just making me not care at all at, about any of them, ever. Like even the original, uh, yeah. Like I just, I, I'm just. It's the whole thing's just starting to become a sour taste. Well, I that's kind of like that's kind of like me just and the, stop it. But. That's like me and superhero movies, though. Like I don't care. Yeah, I won't go see them because I don't. But you care. don't have superhero movies from your childhood, right? Well, like yeah. this feels like I am kind of the whole thing's just kind of getting. Well, wrecked. I have Superman from my childhood. Yeah, but I don't know if that's part and, of. Yeah, I guess it's just not the same. Like the whole Star Wars mythology, I feel is just getting wrecked. Like, well, I feel like they can't get much more wrecked after the uh, ones in the nineties and two, early two thousand. Oh, Force Awakens. Oh, what a disappointment! But yeah, I uh, I just don't care. I I don't care about the Star Wars sequels. I. I just find it to be ridiculous. They're making one every year for like the next whatever years it is. Yeah. I just feel like it's become a money grab even more than it already was. And Well, Donnie just, Yen's in the new one. Maybe that's something to look forward maybe. to. Maybe. I'm just kind of don't care. I, oh, yeah. I, don't care. I really don't care. All right. So moving to something a little more exciting. Um, so a couple of other uh, uh, snow things that really came to mind for me. Um, were Bond, the Bond movies. Um, in particular, The Spy Who Loved Me, of course, has one of the most classic Bond stunt, stunt sequences. Um, I mean, there's so many classic Bond stunt sequences, of course, but um, the ski the ski chase and the pre-credit sequence of Spy Who Loved Me is, is one of the ones that people really talk about and think about just because it's so impressive. Well, even I know that sequence, and I haven't seen the entire movie, but so I've good. seen that scene. So good. There was also another another great ski sequence in um, On Her Majesty's Secret Service, um, similar to the Spy Who Loved Me one, like um, just really, really, just a really impressive stunt work. Um, so both of those I'd recommend. And also in For, For Your Eyes Only, um, there was a, I just remember like, you know, they were in a kind of mountain villa for a lot of the, a lot of the running time of that movie. And there were things like, you know, he gets attacked by like hockey players and he also gets attacked by like biathlon people. And yeah, so the, those are a few Bond movies in particular, Spy Who Loved Me and Majesty's Secret That's Service. kind of like those... Um... Willie Bogner movies from the 80s, Fire and Ice and Fire, Ice and Dynamite. Roger Moore was in Fire, Ice and Dynamite. It was kind of like the same thing where it was like lots of skiing stunts. Yeah. And stuff like that with like parachuting and all that stuff. But like 
same ridiculous kind of stuff you're talking about the bond movies where it's like you know being attacked by like all these weird characters on the ski slopes yeah. those movies are not good they're like these german movies i i think willie Willie Bogner, I think his name is. He was like a ski champion. Oh yeah, yeah. He he actually did the stunt work in. Did Spire. he? Yeah. Me. So yeah, yeah. yeah, that's why I'm thinking it sounded yeah, yeah. exactly like Fire Ice and Dynamite and uh, Fire and Ice, which okay. he directed. And Roger Moore is in Fire Ice. Well, and that Dynamite. would make sense because they yeah. were they were. Yeah, because uh, when you were when you were talking about it, I'm like, oh yeah. Oh, I didn't know he did movies. I'd be. Yeah, interested. he made those two movies, Fire and Ice and uh, Fire Ice and Dynamite. Yeah, because I think he in in the Bond movies, I think he was the guy who like operated the camera by like you're seeing all this crazy shit happening but you got to remember when you're watching those bond movies you're watching these crazy stunts but you also remember there's this fucking guy skiing backwards with a camera filming it all right that was him okay okay yeah so that makes sense because crazy because when you were talking about i'm like that sounds exactly like that guy's movies yeah no i want to i want to check those out for sure um, but yeah, those are the, those are a couple of Bond movies I'd recommend. I know Chris is going to hate me for bringing these up, but just for a couple of other ski stunt movies, I will bring up Extreme Ops um, oh, fuck. <laughs> from 2001, just because it did have some pretty cool ski sequences in it. I know you're rolling your eyes, but you can't really deny it's that it's like it's it like has... snowboard snowboarding meets cliffhanger. Only yeah. shitty. But it, no, I thought the ski sequences were okay, but it, it was a it was a pretty mediocre it's not one forgettable. to hold, not one to hold on to yeah no and also another one from that time period vertical limit i thought that was okay too. vertical limit was pretty good that was uh, directed by mark campbell martin campbell a bond director casino royale and uh, goldeneye uh, starring uh, chris o'donnell i saw that in the theater i remember enjoying it but i haven't wanted to revisit it Wasn't or anything there, like um there was also that other one that came out in the early 90s k2 that mountain climbing. Oh, yeah, that was more of a yeah mountain climbing. That was more of a drama than anything, yeah. though, if I recall. But there was a... I thought around Vertical Limit time, there was another mountaineering-type mountaineering movie that came out, but I can't remember what it was called. I feel like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I just yeah. don't remember what it was called. It's weird, because, you know, Hollywood movies run in cycles, you know? Yeah. One starts getting made, and other studios see it, and they're like, oh, we better make one of ours, too. Yeah. And I... I, I I know Cliffhanger didn't came out not long before Vertical Limit, but I swear there was another mountaineering kind of movie that came out at, around the same time. Yeah. Well, if yeah. we think about it, we'll throw the trailer up yeah. on the Facebook page. But while we're talking about mountaineering, there's also the recent Everest, which is based on the um, John Krakauer book, uh, Into Thin Air, about the real um, disaster that happened on Mount yeah, Everest. And I, think, I think he said that uh, the movie's not quite... What he was expecting it to be, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, I kind of wish I saw this in the theaters. It is directed by that Balthazar Kormakar, who uh, directed that Inhale movie I was yapping about on the last episode. Oh, okay. Um, so I'm kind of curious about it, but um, I don't know. I just That book was so harrowing that I just can't really see it being captured on film. But another, another uh, documentary that was pretty harrowing that was captured on film was called Touching the Void. Okay, Actually, I yeah, think yeah. it was a reenactment. I don't think it was an actual documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was about a pair of uh, mountain climbers, one of whom, uh, like, they basically, um, one of them fell into this chasm and uh, was hanging by the rope, and the other guy had to cut the rope. And then, yeah, yeah that was a pretty, pretty terrifying uh, thought process as well. Uh, I wrote on Hot Dog. Yeah, I was, I was like... I was so tempted 
to talk about all these fucking skiing and snowboarding comedies because I love them so much. But I was like, is that worth bringing up now or should I just save those for when we do like comedies? But I'm like, when am I going to get to talk about skiing and snowboarding comedies? Well, we could do like a resort comedy. Why don't we just talk? How many are there? Well, there's Hot Dog the Movie. There's Out Cold. There's Frostbitten. There's Ski Patrol. There's Ski School. Ski School 2. Shredder. Not Shredder. uh, Shred. Sorry. It's called Shred. Copper Mountain. Better Off Dead. Snowballing. Better Off Dead. Better Off Dead. There's a lot, dude. And I love them. I don't know why. Really? I couldn't tell. I don't know why, but I love them. (laughs) There's just like, I don't have the fucking coordination to ever ski or snowboard. But for some reason, you throw fucking... Vulgar. You've never skied or snowboarded? I have, but I'm just not very good. But if you throw, like, vulgar jokes and people st- ski- skiing or snowboarding down a mountain, I'm fucking there. Like, <laughs> I'm just there. Like, I love Hot Dog. I love Out Cold, which is, like, this 2004 or five comedy with, like, Zach Galifianakis and fucking Jason London <laughs> about snowboarding. I love that movie for some reason. I don't know why. Um Ski School is kind of fun. These are like Canadian-made skiing movies, Ski School and Ski School 2. One of them had Wendy Hamilton. That was part two. (laughs) We all remember old Wendy Hamilton. She was definitely the best part of Ski School 2. Yeah. Because she's naked in a lot. But she was like... Yeah, she gets naked in it. She was like one of my favorite Playboy Playmates of the 90s. Yeah. A lot of people agree on that. Yeah. She really made an impression. Yeah. um, uh, What else was there? (laughs) Let's move on before this gets too pervy. Um, Well, Shred is like a a recent one that was filmed out here in BC with Tom Green and uh, Dave Englund from Jackass. Okay. It's directed by David Mitchell, who worked on Ski School 1 and 2. And you know, I just there's something about him. I I don't really want to go in depth, but yeah, if you're gonna watch any skiing comedy, watch Hot Dog. Yeah, Hot Dog was from 1984. I think this is actually the first sex comedy I saw. It's pretty close for me too. Yeah, and directed by Peter Markle, who did, did Young Blood. Fuck yeah, Young Blood. And uh, starring David Naughton, who I knew from American Werewolf yeah. in London, and um, and then Shannon Tweed makes an appearance in this as well. Does and, she ever? And the lead guy is played by uh, Patrick Hauser. He played a character named Harkin. Yeah. And I do remember him with his blonde hair and the the um. Sun, yeah, suntan lotion yeah. on his nose, and there, there was the um, and the gr- there was a girl who was hitchhiking who he picks up called Sunny. Okay, and I really thought she was good in this movie. She was super cute. I just can't remember what the actress's name was, but she was like, she was super cute. But at the same time, she was like one of those. She was like a, a weird women character in an '80s sex comedy, and the fact that she wasn't a pushover. Right. I just don't remember what the actress's name was. I she, know she, was she blonde? I'm like dirty blonde. Yeah, I think I remember. I remember this movie was a pretty great movie. I mean, yeah, I mean, we all got, remember the hot tub scene with Shannon. Well, Tweed it's got such memorable it. stuff because there's this guy in it who's like kind of the spazzy type, and he has that scene where they're at that party and they're playing "Hungry Like the Wolf" by Duran Duran, and he's like fucking kind of like stalking the party to try and get a woman to make out with him, and they keep slapping him and shit. But then later he gets like a blowjob in a gondola. Oh, I remember the blowjob. And they're all the watching yeah, him from yeah, the other yeah, gondola, yeah. like giving him a fucking like cheering for him and shit. <laughs> and there's the the Asian skier who like doesn't speak English. But at the end they're having their big competition. It's called the Chinese downhill. 
Right. And he's like this Chinese. He's supposed to be this Chinese guy. And he looks at the guy. He goes, what the fuck is that Chinese downhill? Right. You know, hot dog's great. I want to see this again. Hot dog's great. I have it on DVD, but I, I wish. Yeah. It's not. Come on, really, Kino. Is it on Kino? No, the Kino's got to get on it. If they can put up the creek on DVD on Blu-ray for me, they can do fucking yeah, hot why dog. Is this? Is it still in print on DVD right now? No. Huh. And it's full frame. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Girlfriend and I watched Hot Dog a couple years ago. I'm surprised no one's Still picked good. this one up. Yeah, it's weird. Hot Dog is great. It's one of those like kind of underrated um, 80s comedies. It was written by a guy called Mike Marvin. Right. Who wrote uh, another two great 80s movies with uh, The Wraith. Right. Which you've talked about in the past. And Hamburger, The Motion Picture. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those are both great, too. Nice. But yeah, I, I didn't really know how if we wanted to dive into skiing movies, but I got to tell you, I love them. We just did. I love them. <laughs> I don't know why. All right, I've only got a few more to mention. Okay. Um, again, just these just sort of came up when I thought of the topic. The Ice Storm. Yep. Um, it's a drama from 1997. John Cusack, is it? No. Ang is Lee. that the Ang Lee movie? Okay. Ang yeah, Lee. Okay. Yep. Um, it's basically a number of characters just in an ice storm when there's an ice storm going on in a city. Um, but I think it's set in the 70s. But it's just one of those movies that just has like a killer cast. Kevin Klein, Joan Allen, Sigourney Weaver, Tobey Maguire, Christina Ricci, Elijah Wood. And this is one of those like they weren't. Like, especially those last three, they weren't really famous at that point. Yeah. But it's just a really solid drama that, um, yeah, that I just thought was really well made. Probably, in my opinion, Ang Lee's best movie um, of all the movies I've seen that well, he's made. I, I'd have to say Brokeback Mountain, but that's just me. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, Hateful Eight. Yeah, I had Hateful Eight written down. Of course, especially, you know, we should have just mentioned this when we were talking about The Thing because there's so many similarities yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we talked about that in our year end episode last year, yeah. Um, where I did mention it, say it was my second favorite movie. I think I changed. I think I've changed that now, but it's still pretty. It's still pretty good. good I, little... I, I really like Hateful Eight. I, I, it's not my favorite Tarantino, but uh, I just don't understand why it didn't get much love. Really, yeah. like it deserved more appreciation than it got. I agree because it's had such solid performances in it and he pulled it off and like the, basically most of the movie is just set in a snowbound cabin and you know he got strong performances out of everybody yeah like that's like Jennifer Jason Lee that's like a friggin what best performance of her career for sure yeah she's so good at everything well I know she is like fast times and all those but I this is the one where I was like I missed you because I hadn't seen her in anything for a long time. And then when she came back into this role, I'm like, I really missed her in yeah. movies. Like, cause she's so good. Yeah. Yeah. A Revenant. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, the last one I've got to mention is Avalanche. From well, I knew that was coming. <laughs> 1978. We're doing a disaster movie episode, but you can talk about it a little bit. It's here. just not a very good movie. I mean, I've, I've picked up the, the Blu-ray, which I have yet to watch. I haven't seen this since I was really Who's young. Who's the main in that? Rock Hudson? Rock Hudson, Mia Farrow, Robert Forster. But I don't think it's a very good Come movie. Come on, Robert Forster, dude. But it is a movie in an avalanche, so hey, what can you say? That's true. That's yeah. true. But that's pretty much all I got. Um, another one that I want to just briefly talk about, which just popped in my head, is there's this 1987 thriller directed by Arthur Penn, who made Bonnie and Clyde, called Dead of Winter. 
Mm-hmm. And it's about uh, Mary Steenberger and plays this author who goes out to this mansion to meet up with this eccentric guy. And she ends up kind of being trapped there. And the guy's kind of Looney Tunes. Okay. I haven't seen it for a long time, but I remember it's like kind of, it's kind of really suspenseful. It's a pretty tense movie. Right. And it's another one of those ones where it's got limited cast members, but it just works. Wasn't there another one with limited cast members where people are trapped in a cabin that you were going to bring up? Was Someone it? gets hobbled. Oh, misery. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, misery. How could we forget to talk about misery? Um, yeah. I know you don't like Kathy Bates too much, but dude, she's so damn good in misery. You cannot deny. Yeah, I, I, misery. I know people love misery. I, I don't. I just didn't do much for me. But uh, I, I maybe I need to revisit it. But I think so. Like the thing with misery is that she's just so fucking batshit in that movie. And I mean, I don't feel like the snow part is really a huge element to the movie because she hobbles him and he can't get away anyway. But isn't the cover like I just remember? Yeah, the, the cover is kind of like the cabin with the snow all around yeah. it. I mean, I mean that's an element of the movie, but I just don't feel like it's a strong enough element to, like, be a prevalent thing. Kind of like it's just like it just happens to take place in the winter time, right? But I mean, it's a great movie, and I know you don't seem to really care for it, but no. maybe you need to relook at it. Who knows? Maybe, maybe one, maybe. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's all we got. I think that's all we got. Yep. Uh, I'm sure we've missed a bunch. So I'm oh, sure probably. someone will s- fill in the blanks. But, uh, but uh, not too bad from the uh, from running off the top of my head because I didn't really get as much note time as I wanted to. So I think we did pretty good. I think we covered the basis. And I think if you're going to look at any of these, you want to look at the big ones we talked about, you know, Shining, Thing, Frozen. Frozen, yeah. Uh Cold Prey apparently is really good. Cold Prey is uh, pretty good. You know, if you want the more dr- dra- drama side of the things, Alive is definitely worth seeing. And if you want to see some uh, out of control testosterone, you want to watch Cliffhanger or those Bond those Bond movies for the, skiing. That's yeah. pretty great skiing stunts. And uh, if you want to see Shen Tweed naked, well, Hot Dog the movie it is. <laughs> That's about it. And you know, well, if you want to see Shen Tweed naked, you could pretty much watch any of the movies she's been in, but. That's besides the point. Yeah, and I guess we'd throw in um, Runaway Train as another one to check out, and uh, and that Trans Trans Siberian. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Great. Well, um, that's it. So um, I guess we, uh, if you want to find us on the internet, um, you can just go to www.thevideograveyard.com slash GBW podcast. Yeah, and Twitter's GBW podcast, and that's it. So great. If we, if we have missed any. Hit us up on Facebook and let us know. Otherwise, uh, this is our last episode before Christmas. So hopefully all you listeners out there have a great Christmas. And uh, you don't get visited by Krampus. You get visited by Santa. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, we'll see you in the new year with our recap. Yes. I'm looking forward to it. All right. All right. See you later, people. Bye. (laughs) 